Randy, what the fuck? Randy, Randy. <laughs> I said not the wood ones. Jesus fucking Christ. Not that one. The other one with the guy with the black the other hat. One. Jesus. Not that one. Yeah. Just fucking stop. Just leave it. Just, you know, like, just leave it there. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck don't put it. no don't don't hang it back up. Don't fucking hang it back up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Randy, I fucking knew you were. Welcome to the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. We're your hosts, Dylan. And Artificionado Joseph. Joe, Bonjour. Uh, and here's you. <laughs> Joe, do you have any idea what happened in the early morning uh, of March 18th, 1990? I don't remember. I was fucking wasted from the month or from the day earlier because it was St. Patty's Day weekend, kid. How the fuck did I remember what happened that morning? Right before the parade, I was late. My mother was waking me up, shaking me out of bed, thinking I'd be late for the. I don't give a fuck about the parade. I'm going down to the bar later. In other words, 13 paintings were stolen from. <laughs> From the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum oh. in Boston, Massachusetts. This guy was oh too my drunk God. to even know what happened as is an alcoholic art aficionado, aficionado <laughs> or whatever you are. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a triple that... A. I oh, know it's aficionado with an E. <laughs> no, it's an A, right? I'm triple A. I think it's an A. I I'm in a, not Alcoholics Anonymous, the Alcoholic Art Aficionado Advisory <laughs> Association. Clean couple A. But yeah, so, so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the biggest art heist in not just American history. That's pretty, you know, great. But in world history, by far, not even close. It's insane. Just so, fucking crazy. And the craziest thing is, so a little backstory on this. Um, I remember this like crystal day. I wasn't alive then. I was almost born, but not quite. You were um, just about to be. Not too well, Ten months later. And mm-hmm. uh, nine months, something like that. But, um, but I maybe, really maybe you're conceived on the night of the heist. Maybe actually, it binds does up. that math work out? March to December? I don't know. I can't do math. Yeah. It's around then. Right, maybe. Yeah. That'd be cool. So inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> very, very inspiring for some, um, get to late night get togethers with your wife or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Heart heist, turn people on. So hopefully, but I don't know, but anyways, yeah, turn me um, on. Yeah, so I knew this, but Joe, you just found out about this, right? This I had not heard hide nor hair of this. Um, I'm not big in the art world myself, even though I do appreciate checking out a museum every now and then. But it was only when we were uh, riding bikes a couple weeks ago that you mentioned it to me. And uh, you were flabbergasted by me not hearing it. And I was flabbergasted about not knowing it. Uh, it seems like a super interesting topic. We had brought up the heist of D.B. Cooper, another great heist in American history in our past episodes. And I figured, and so did you, that this would be a great idea to talk about this week, the, the art heist of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 1990. So 1990, close to home. Uh, you guys can go there anytime if you're in Boston. And one of the coolest things is you can see behind me that they left the frames. So the Yeah, you can see exactly where they used to be. And where they hopefully one day will return. Um, Yeah. 
that's we'll that's see. why they kept them there because they're just hoping that they'll show up one day and there's mm-hmm. really we'll get to it later but just some cool theories about where stolen art goes um but joe before we get into anything um have you have you been a long time a, a aficionado of art like what does art mean to you well you understand my friend art is life you know these paintings they need the they need people to appreciate them to understand you're in between you and the artist, and the art is a living, breathing thing. It's not about collecting them. It's about showing them to the world, and only in the act of being observed can art truly live on through the ages. So you ask me if I give a shit about art, my short answer is that. My long answer is that no, I'm just <laughs> I don't know much about art at all. I, really, I don't. I mean, only through um, learning about this and knowing some of the, you know, the hit names, people throw out things like, Da Vinci, Picasso, things like that, Warhol, you know, cursory knowledge about it. I learned a little bit more about it during the research in this, but um, I don't know much. What is like, uh, what do you think about if you were to walk in a museum and one of the displays was a banana that was duct taped to a wall for like a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars? Like what is, honestly, what does that make you feel? Well, that came up in our discussion this weekend about this particular <laughs> art eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just one of those things where, um, if this it's a it's a victimless crime, even though it's not a crime in this case. If you want to sell a banana for one hundred fifty thousand dollars to some rich douchebag who wants to buy it, and then the guy goes by, rips it off the wall, and eats it in front of everybody, I like that. I, I like that. No, no harm, no foul. Uh, you feel like you got robbed of a couple hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, but if you want to spend it on a banana in the wall, who's the real dumbass here? I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see why. I don't really see the um, the artistic integrity of doing a thing like that. But another example. It's by the famous artist of our time, Banksy. He started out being a, a graffiti, a street artist, and he sold a painting in an auction, an actual like Banksy made painting. And as soon as they purchased it, um, the, <laughs> the painting ran through the frame and the bottom of the frame was a paper shredder and it began to shred the whole thing. <laughs> Which he designed all as part of the piece of the artwork. So really, our people were horrified, obviously, to see that happen. But if anything, it just makes it more valuable because now it's not only a Banksy painting in original, which he doesn't sell his paintings like that. So that's, you know, very unique. Also, it's part of this crazy display where he destroyed his own art as an act of selling it. So that's the kind of art that I'm into. If you yeah. tape a banana to a wall, uh, go fuck off. Or they have the glass box full of nothing. Fuck you. But if you paint a beautiful piece of art and then you shred it on purpose to show how fickle the thing is. I like that shit and I'm into it. I like that shit. And and the reason I'm, I'm asking you this is that like, I've been passionate about art, but I'm very, you know, just being a creative person, but also sometimes you go in there and you read the banana story or a recent one where I, where a guy literally didn't even do anything. He just rented a space and said, this is a hundred grand. Um, you yeah. Know, that's, you just get pissed off and you're like, or, or that's, that's extreme, but some of it is, um, you know, uh, someone just getting angry and throwing a bucket of paint at the wall. And they're like, all right, I'm mm-hmm. done. And, and yeah. you know, that's stupid. You know, like, what's the point? But the thing is that art is designed to create emotions. So who's to say what emotion is is more valuable than another? I Besides agree. the fact that, you know, these arts, um, like the Rembrandts that we'll talk about um, and more, are um, they, hold, they have their value from a different thing. There's a, you can calculate a price yeah. of art in modern day by time. Mm-hmm. spent on it as well as you go back to these historic pieces 
who did it, when they did it, why right. they did it, how many. It's just as important it. what it looks yeah. like um, as to what it symbolizes and what it stands for. I mean, it's actually more valuable because of who did it and when rather yeah. than the beauty that is inherent in the art piece, which obviously a lot of these Rembrandts, for example, are objectively beautiful, even if you're not a huge art fan, they just look amazing. But on yeah. top of that, that it's his and there's some unique pieces that have never been done by him. And now they're, they've gone uh, missing. That, that's a lot of value stored in there. Um, yeah. In the whole yeah. world. Exactly. And, and the value has, you know, art you know, has absolutely gone up just because of, you know, appreciation as well as what happened at art. There's so many Absolutely. stories of art throughout history that has traveled, been stolen, found, been different, been this king's hand, that king's hand, this person, this person died retrieving it. That's the sure. all comes into play when it comes to, to, to yeah, and it's pretty cool. And anyways, episode twenty-eight, the biggest art heist in world history. Hit it. Sorry, I had to get the title card. That's March eighteenth, nineteen ninety. It's about um, the first time that anybody saw anything sort of weird again um, came from. uh, We have infrared cameras outside of the Isabella Stewart Garden Museum, but not inside. And it was around twelve thirty a.m. Yeah, I think it's important, as you said, it's the nineties. It doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but the technology, especially security, uh, has increased exponentially since then i mean these were pieces of art that were worth multiple millions of dollars and they were this museum was littered with them and still is and to find out the amount of security they had in there at the time of this heist it it was really baffling to me to see like that's what they had just this that's it yeah i mean it's the same the same kind of security Uh, a modern day walgreens has a better security system than this particular museum had on the night of uh it was the night of the 17th into March 18th, uh, that, that right, late that right, night. Right. Yeah. So security wasn't great. And I guess we can start there. So we got, we got two guards. Well, let's um, talk about what the museum is. Um, oh. Is it any, it's just any old art museum. We're, we're talking about things like the Met in New York or the Louvre in, uh, in France. This is the, one of those museums. They have some of these priceless pieces from some of the masterpieces and some of the best artists in the history of the world that have been collected by this, um, this woman who had a penchant for art herself and she had built the entire museum to look like um like a villa so the whole inside is a courtyard that is protected by a glass ceiling so it's not usual white walls look at this look at that i mean the entire place is designed to be this beautiful place which is part of the reason why uh, it hasn't changed one bit since because she wrote in her will it's not to be changed at all actually the museum itself is part of the artwork because she built it and designed it to be beautiful in itself and then fill it with all these uh priceless pieces of art which i thought was interesting uh as opposed to just your usual you know nothing against the met but it's pretty much just regular museum this is not one of those yeah but she was influenced by that she elizabeth stewart gardner grew up in manhattan i think it's isabelle right though it's isabella isabella thank you isabella 
I keep I, I'm too many I, names. I, I'm gonna call I it the Gardner Museum from now on, but we should at least get her name right the first one. Thank you. Well, I promise that I'll turn my phone off. And second, I <laughs> it just <laughs> I promise. Oh, it's Verizon telling me that I get I get money for uh, having a phone. Um, Hell yeah, that never happened. So, um, so Isabella Stewart Gardner. Um, I promise this podcast and all of our listeners that I'm gonna say Elizabeth very soon. Because I've been calling it Elizabeth. I know it's Isabella, but I, I say Elizabeth all the time. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. And just please uh, write in the comments that I'm a fucking idiot. And I'd love that. So, <laughs> Can do. so anyways, who is she? She's a um, she's just seems to be like a philanthropist who um, collected art. She was born in 1840 and died in 1924. And she had a lot of friends who are artists and she loves travel. Yeah. I mean, she was a pretty eccentric woman, they said, but um, eccentric woman in the 1800s can be a woman who wears different colored socks or slightly buttons yeah. down her shirt a little bit. So that's not really a huge part of it. She's just an interesting gal. Altogether. Yeah, interesting gal. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you said, it, it could be different socks, but uh, in other words, stylish tastes and unconventional mm -hmm. behavior. So sure. Uh, she had a and lot quite of a bit of coin on top of it. Yep, exactly. Um, and uh Wow, yeah, she had some interesting things. Like she went to the uh, the BSO, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, with um, a headband that said "Oh, you Red Sox." And apparently, that was wild for the day. So, um, and at the time, <laughs> the crazy, it literally crazy, almost yeah. caused a panic. Just saying, just oh, for that, huh? Red Sox, just for that. So, I guess you'd so have like, to show up with uh, and just unfurl your shirt and have it painted on your chest now for it to be that much of a big deal. Not just a headband won't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Half exactly. people going to the orchestra right now probably look way more strange than she did at that time, but it's a different time. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's her. And then, like you said, she ha she had the museum, and um, yeah, it's so, yeah. Museum. The museum has a lot of different pieces of art. I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of them, but each room is designed to be a piece in itself. So, the room behind us right now is the Dutch room. It's a lot of paintings paintings from the Dutch masters at the time, a lot of them in the 1600s. And there'll be different rooms. There's like an Italian room, there's a, there's a blue room, there's a salon. But each room is, you know, specifically tailored by her to look a certain way. So it's showing off not just the art pieces, but a lot of similarities between them. This furniture there, statues, it's not all just paintings. Yeah, everything everything works together in one. And, and, and mm -hmm. you'll get that very clearly if you walk in there because you see the big, um, uh, what do you even call that? Um, it's not a foyer, like where the, if it, it, you look top down, I'd say the courtyard, the, courtyard. the whole middle part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah middle part's the courtyard and then all the rooms are on the side. Yeah. So you're actually, you're looking over at the balconies. It's, it's really interesting that they slice out the whole middle to be a courtyard. Cause that's all space. You could be putting paintings, but it just makes the whole place look so much more, uh, interesting and beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I haven't been there in 24 years, but 24 years ago, I got yelled at by security guards there. Oh, I can't believe that. What were you up to no good? I jumped there's in the in the courtyard um, along the sides there as you go up. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of giant pots that have plants in them and I jumped in one. <laughs> um, I mean, the plant's probably worth not that much, but the pot might be from uh, 1850 and they're like, hey. Actually, that's actually a good point. It probably You can't afford that shit. Yeah, don't break that pot, buddy. Yeah. Patty's Day weekend, which is huge in Boston, which might actually be a part of why they chose that time, because mm -hmm. not only is a lot of attention in Boston 
um, going to be focused on all the revelry of St. Patrick's Day weekend. But the St. Patrick's Day parade in, in South Boston draws in more police officers than almost any occasion in Boston. Not only do you need a bunch more security, and it's a huge event, but a lot of the cops in Boston are from there, and they're Irish. So they're going anyways, <laughs> even if they're not working. Yeah, exactly. And if you're going to do something that's going to cause some sort of disturbance, possibly noise, possibly screaming, mm-hmm. um, if you do it on a quiet you know, winter night where no one's uh, paying attention, you're right. Um, that's the worst time. But if everybody's drunk and walking around, no one's going to give a shit. It's a great time for it. In other words, it's a great time to shoot somebody during the 4th of July when people can't hear it. Yeah, actually, it's a good good way of saying it. So, um, Not condoning that behavior, by the way. I'm just saying it's a good example. Yeah. So that's what happened. So we have um, a... So it's about 1230, 1226. I got red. At first, I thought it was blue because I think I saw the newspaper article, but I think it was a red hatchback. I believe it was a blue gray uh, hatchback. I think it was a Dodge. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And then Mm -hmm. I I, um, I think I I think you were right initially. I went to another source and they said it was red. And I was like, I always thought it was blue. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's blue gray hatchback, which is uh, what I thought. Blue gray. What the witnesses said uh, they saw um, at (laughs) the scene. (laughs) We'll tell you if two cops get out of one of those things dressed in uniform, you it's might have a good. problem. It's like a shitty <laughs> shitbag 80s blue Dodge hatchback. Like it's exactly. Not yeah, it's one thing to, to be an unmarked car, but uh no police yeah. officers are rolling around in a Hyundai accent trying to fucking nab a perp. If they are, they're not gonna be in full Boston police uniform, which are what our two uh particular suspects are dressed as. We have two guys sitting outside of this museum, fully head-to-toe in Boston police officer uniforms before. The only example we have of the car that night, which is uh, two individuals that were walking past the museum, having their drunken good time, and they see these two police officers sitting in this shitty hatchback, and they noted that. Yeah, that's weird. Didn't think anything of it until the next morning, obviously, when they found out why it was even more weird than I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. It's such a, It's just so odd. So it gets weirder, so... Oh, it keeps getting weirder. It keeps getting weirder. So, um, so uh, yeah, so just a quick another detail on security. Uh, security systems like the cameras were only outside, not inside. Right. So, inside, so outside, they apparently they had infrared cameras, and there was, there, was, there was plenty of them outside. But they didn't want to put them inside because part of, like, uh, Isabella Stewart-Gardner's um, request is to um, uh, yeah, keep the ins- – don't – don't make any renovations. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. So to, right. to secure on the inside, you have to drill on the walls, run wires. Yeah, I think the only cameras on the inside are like at the security desk and like yeah. exit and entry points. None of them are actually pointing at the, the paintings or any, any of the rooms. And like you said, they didn't want to do any renovations that way. Yeah, exactly. So Which makes it tough, but they do have motion sensors for each of the rooms. So they have an, an active log mm-hmm. for a 1990s computer of every time someone enters or exits a room, which is gonna help them decide if anything is happening untoward. It'll be like, okay, well, someone entered this room this time, there should only be two security guards on the night shift ever. So if we have multiple entries happening at the same time, we got a problem. And it's all printed out to show the age. They print it all out in a piece of paper. It's still in a hard drive, but people don't know what hard drives are yet, but they have a printed piece of paper, like with old uh, ATM receipt, when you're typing in the calculator and just scrolling out like that, they have a, at 12.25, someone walked in this room, they just have it all logged out. That's that's their security system, basically. It's just a log of when people are entering and leaving rooms and if they should or shouldn't be, which um, is helpful. It's better than nothing, but it's not as good as having a camera in the room. Exactly. So it's very interesting. 
So on top of that, so I wasn't aware of the motion detectors, but I do remember one of the details that that did include. So I just just didn't write it down. Um, but another thing is they had one button in the whole place at the security desk to call police. Yes, just at the so one desk. Just that's it. That's it. So um, and two guards that did uh, one sat at the desk while one walked through the place with a flashlight. And mm-hmm. they, then he did his rounds, came back in. And you it's, tag it's out. It's really like a video game when you're playing, like you have to get past the guards. Yeah, you can track their movements. Crystal clear. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, exactly what they do. There's not a whole lot of deviation from that. So yeah. you've got, so that's, the, that's at the moment, you get that and you've got Rick. Not, none of those laser sensors that uh, if they're tripped up, the, the like police show up. Or in we don't uh, have, yeah, none of the, the camp, none, none of that. None of that. It's just no. two guys walking around and there's one button to call the cops at one desk. And if you don't hit that button, uh, you're not going to pull out your cell phone because there is no cell phones. So that's your only way to call out of the, out of the facility if anything ever What's- goes What's that other you. movie with um, Sean Connery and that really attractive woman who didn't show up in movies in a long time? Uh, oh, so and she's she's. I don't think I've movie. seen it. Oh, I do. It's it's uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I don't remember yep. the movie. But yep. that scene when she's figuring out how to do the yes. lasers, I yeah, remember that. I don't know why. The, the that one really sticks wearing. out to me. Yep. So it's it's a combination of uh, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back mixed with Wallace and Ground mixed with yeah, Mission you picture Tenacious D to pick a destiny. Sean Connery stuff. Like they're all doing the same thing with the lasers, just like going through them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not happening here no it's not but you it, you'd think it would be you think um, it would because not only is there all this art in there it's it's supremely valuable i mean you would want even if he was a regular collection of modern art you'd want it protected better than this and you have pieces from yeah exactly you have pieces from the 1600s that are literally priceless that are being protected by uh the two guards and, and a button basically besides these motion sensors but they aren't going to do anything to call the police if anything goes wrong they're only there to see what happened after the fact they're not going to call raise any alarms the only alarm that went off that night was around a little before midnight and it was a, it was a false fire alarm that went off so yeah we, they, they, we don't know if that's any thing to do with the heist is just the only alarm that was uh, actually triggered that night. It's very interesting and it might be coincidental. We'll that went to the outside so, world rather. Um, so, so beside that's our security system. And then we've got 23 year old Rick Abbott. And then, I feel for this guy, dude, I really do feel for him. Well, cause he's a, um, uh, he, he, <laughs> the morning after the heist, he went to drove, what drove to New York to go watch uh, fish or he went, yeah, he went to Connecticut to to, uh, to go see the Grateful Dead. And, Grateful and, Dead, yes. And he did a bunch of acid and shit, yeah. And then he drove back and said, I probably shouldn't have left. It looked really bad. No, no, I probably shouldn't have left. Yeah. Um, so, and also, but, it's like they said, he just like he was in a band. He was like a stoner guy yeah. who just liked art, and he just would yeah. do this gig. And, of course, looking back, you're like, why would you ever put this guy in charge of this? I mean, a guy who's showing up stoned to work at midnight with a yeah. tie-dye shirt on, you don't want him protecting Rembrandt. But that's all hindsight this being 2020. Yeah, and he's because, the more experienced one too, which is the funny part. Right, yeah, so, yeah. The See, part he's, he's the guy who worked the, there longer, the, right? Yeah. Yes, he worked there longer. So that's Rick Abbott. We'll get in him later. And mm-hmm. then then we have first nighttimer, uh, Randy. Um, Never worked the night before. Oh my God, I can't remember my writing. Hesterd? Hesterd? I don't remember his last name, but I do know that he showed up to work with the trombone because he was so, or trumpet. He was so sure nothing was going to happen. He's going to start practicing music during that because for years and years, nothing ever happened ever. Not even a mouse trying to break in at night. It's just the most boring gig and you just got to zone into the, the boredom when you're there. And hopefully you appreciate art, something to look at, because besides that, no one's playing Candy Crush on their phone. They're just 
staring at the wall, watching the paint dry, quite literally. Literally. So it's Randy Heston. Heston, thank you. Yeah, I thought so. I just looked. It's such a, it's such a weird last name. No, it's a strange one. Yep. So um, so there yeah. are saviors. There are art protectors there, these two kids, basically. Yep, these two kids. Um, so like we said, 1230, they're first spotted, uh, parked outside of the museum by the side door. And then at 124 a.m., they buzzed in. Mm-hmm. And said, "Hey, we're we're here to uh, check on a disturbance. It's the Boston Police." Yeah, they're showing up impersonating the Boston Police, which, yep. you know, gives some credit to the people who are working security. If two fully dressed Boston police officers show up and they tell you to open the door, your first thought isn't, "Well, I want to see some fucking ID." I mean, you're some stoned out kids in the desk. You're like, "Oh, the, the police oh, are here. Shit, I, I want to follow whatever they want to say. I don't want to get in trouble." But the policy at the museum for security, and it's, it's true in a lot of museums, no one comes in or out. doesn't matter who it is. Police need to get in, they need to get a warrant, or they need to have some kind of credentials to get in. You're not supposed to buzz anyone in under any circumstance. This poor kid got caught up in that. He said, oh, I'll come right in, sir, and buzz them yeah. in. Buzz them in. And Both and fun. it might. And the thing is, so back to what you said about the fire alarms. So mm-hmm. Abbott, um had to was, before all this happened, investigated multiple fire alarms that said there were smoking rooms and there weren't. There's not really a whole more a lot of details besides that, but he did have to go around investigating this, which I think is yeah. very weird. You're not allowed so, to smoke in the museum, which is rare in 1990. You could smoke almost anywhere, but this really? is one of the places where you're not allowed to uh, just because of the paintings. Yeah, and even then that wouldn't trigger that type of alarm. So like no. I have no record of the the you know our fake cop friends here being able to change the system like that and to be able to tell no. you. No, no, no. I don't think there's any evidence of I anyone tampering with the system. In a strange way. Like, I think it so might odd. be. Yeah, I mean, from what I found, it just seems like it could have gone off any night and it happened to go off a night where there was a major art heist. But I don't think they were related because security experts came in later and they said there wasn't any rebooting of the system yeah. wasn't an electrical failure it should have gone all well probably just the, the smoke alarm uh, going off faulty but one thing i did want to add before we get into what the cops show up is that on the record i talked about of the motion sensors um our our boy uh rick abath he did open up the the door the cops came through 10 minutes before they ever got ever got there so he we don't know if he's gonna explain that away or not but it's a very interesting thing he said he does it all the time um just to check the doors locked that's kind of curious, especially in the 90s, that how do you let someone know I'm at the desk? You can't text them. Uh, yeah. it, it might be good to open the door and say, yoo-hoo, time to whatever. So I don't want to I don't want to crucify him just yet, though. I just thought that'd be interesting to know that he did no, open the door. Really, really important. Before thing. the cops ever showed up. Exactly. Before, before I'm sorry, before the fake police officers, I should be clear. They're not real right. cops. They're just dressed right. as cops. So 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 what Joe's saying um, is is that it's possible that he did that as like a sign, like, Hey, time, time to roll. It could know? be yeah. just, it's something to note. Something to note. Um, it's very interesting. So, so, um, and then another thing, um, yeah, because of the fire alarms, uh, maybe they think Abbott like, you know, subconsciously was like, Oh, they, they noticed the alarms and they're coming to check it out. Something, something, you know, like, could be, yeah. There's just so many influences, especially if you're just some, you know, dude who's just, yeah. If you really are just spacing out, I mean, this is just, um, Oh wow. They're here to check on that too. All right. Yeah. They they said they were there to investigate a disturbance reported. Mm -hmm. And that just seems like good cop jargon for, all right, come on in. What am I going to do? Or maybe neighbors saw like some drunk St. Patrick's day kid hop in the fence that he also said that too. Very Uh, good. Yeah. Very well. Could have been going to come give a look. So, he let him in, and but so this is this is besides everything, this is a, this is where she gets weird. So Abbott reported 
that the taller cop had a fake mustache on. He noticed. Yeah, that. he seemed like he might have had a fake mustache on. Yep, he noticed that. Um, I like that take. And he also had gold wire rim glasses. So it kind of seemed like he just tried to wear one of those Groucho Mark, you don't know me things with the glasses yeah, yeah. and the mustache. Yep. <laughs> like that's and, just uh, that's just shitty disguise 101. You with a mustache and fake glasses and fake mustache. You're like, oh, jeez. Yeah, right? Like, it's just so weird. I mean, the full Boston police officer uniform official is okay. a great disguise. Mm-hmm. Sticking on the dime store mustache on top seems like throwing good money after bad at that point. Those can have been easy to come across. Um, up-to-date uniforms. Obviously, it's illegal for police officers to give yeah. those to people because they can do something just like this. Yep, and there's a lot of reasons why they got them that we think are just at all the clues at the end tied at this, the, you know, mm-hmm. some they somehow came into possession of these uniforms and they used them to the fullest extent of their yep. ability. Exactly. Cause when they exactly. walked in the door, the first thing they say to the kid is that, you know, like, like you said, there's a disturbance and then they start to say, are you alone? Yeah. Yeah. They asked anyone else in the museum and if they are, bring them down. So Abbott radioed Heston, uh, Heston, Heston, um, poor son of a bitch doesn't know what's coming to him. He's just thinking, yeah, they, Oh, something's going on. Oh, something. Finally, something is happening. I can stop being bored for three hours. Little did he exactly. know. Yep. So, um, so yes, yeah, so tell Heston to come to the desk and, uh, and yeah, basically. Then the shit that, goes that down. That familiar and they might have a warrant for his arrest. Um, yeah, that's what they say the though. Provide ID. So they all complied. They blah, start cuffing blah, and then they got forced against the wall and they got handcuffed. And, um, and basically the, the fake cops were like, Hey, uh, you know, we have your addresses now, so we can't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and these guys are still confused at this point because they think they're being arrested. They don't know why until yeah. the cops pull out their guns and they go, guess what? <laughs> it's a robbery if <laughs> we aren't cops. Yeah. And you aren't talking. So if you don't want anything too? to happen to you, we're going to shoot you like, in the fucking head. They, they said, and the quote is, is quote unquote, gentlemen, this is a robbery. <laughs> And that was like the title imagine in that moment the Boston being like, Globe's title was gentlemen this is a robbery <laughs> yeah. I mean you went from going like I'm getting arrested I'm gonna have to beat this charge I don't even know what they're yeah, booking shit. me for to, oh, no 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 it's the robbery you might die tonight you better mm-hmm. fucking comply so they yep. bring them into the basement which is the, the tunnels they have under the facility itself and yep. they uh they, they they chain them to the part of the basement including duct taping their their eyes and and mouth and Mm -hmm. including abbott's so weird he looks he looks like chewbacca they have his full long hippie hair and beard they have him duct taped his eyes and over his head it looks like some weird little kid tried to make a mask for him and uh that seems strange uh uh at the time and uh so they yeah they had they had them both chained up in the basement and then it was time to get uh to get to the heisting at that point yeah so that interaction was 11 minutes Mm-hmm. And now it's 135. So guards right. are um, chained to a pipe or something, duct taped on their eyes and their mouth mm-hmm. downstairs. And now it's time to start stealing stuff. Yep. So, um, and you got to be thinking right now, if you're a usual robber, the clock is ticking. Any robbery or heist or anything like that, like every single minute that goes by must feel like, you know, an eternity because you're always thinking that at any moment now we could be caught and not only are we going to have these paintings in our hands, we're going to have two guys kidnapped in the basement. There's two other charges there. We got armed robbery. We got kidnapping. We got grand theft. I mean, the yeah. more time you're spending in there, you got to figure you want to get in and out as fast as possible. But as we'll see, this is a long, long heist. It's a long heist. So um, on top of that, you've got the security guards who are just, you know, typically if you're out of sight, you're probably going to die. 
Um, you know, mm -hmm. no one's going to shoot you in the middle of the street, but it'll take you somewhere dark like this and just go. Yeah. And go. you can possibly ID these guys now because mm -hmm. you've mm -hmm. seen them, you've heard them talk to you. And if they let you go, the, the worst thing that can happen to them is that you're just going to give a full description and know everything you know about them and rat on the whole thing. And that'll exactly. be bad for them. So why even bad for them? So you're likely to leave you alive. They're yeah. likely to kill you. And, um, mm -hmm. Especially when you're dealing that, with so, millions of dollars. I mean, they are stealing a TV from you, and this is big money. Yeah, and so this is, in 1990, $200 million. It's worth 500 today's day, mm -hmm. but $200 million of art these guys are going to go take. Yeah, so, so the equivalent of half a billion dollars in today's money uh, of what this heist is going to be. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's just a bunch of I mean, it's not even close. Every other art heist has been so much more minor compared to this. It's just like... So, I don't know if this is true, but I did I did read that the Dresden Green Vault burglary in 2019 was 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 bigger. I have not heard so this. That, I, don't now. Know, I don't know if this is true, but apparently it was the biggest art heist of all time until this. Okay, so this one's even bigger then. Well, yeah, we'll have to look into that. Which yeah, we'll look at that later. Turn into the story at all? Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess we'll just be the it'd be maybe the second biggest art heist in history. What are you I mean, fucking taking this already? The fuck you talking? No you don't even know if it's true or not. I'll just leave that there, and then let's be more boring no, the whole I time. Think, I think we'll figure true. it out before you call it out. You fucking douchebag. I think it's true. I think it's true. I know. I believe it. Said it was true, but it also said the car was red. So maybe I'm getting information weird. No, the car was not red. But we'll say. We'll say. The car wasn't red. I remember that from being a kid. It wasn't red. You knew um, that. Yeah, you, you, I did, you guessed it right. For 20 years. So, um, yeah. So, so let's get into the heist itself. Yeah. What are they? They just grab the paintings off the wall and throw them into a flatbed truck. They came in a hatchback. It's going to be a tough way to get away. So so how'd they do it, Joe? How'd they get to So what they did for, they, they must, we think they must have known the paintings they were looking for initially because they went right to the Dutch room and they started cutting out these Rembrandt paintings um that were there after they put the guards down by the way they waited 13 minutes before they started right because we know from the motion sensors what yeah. time they entered the room so that means yeah there was some time in between then i mean yeah there's 13 pieces all together uh the bigger ones being uh rembrandt's uh a lady and gentleman in black they also had a, a sketch self-portrait by him we have a vermeer painting the concert a flink painting yes. landscape of the obelisk we have a manet painting that was in a mm -hmm. different room it was mm -hmm. much smaller. And then, you know, other things in the most weird of which I think that happened to be a, a bronze beaker from yeah, twenty right. from 1200 BC China. That doesn't yeah. fit the uh, the whole Rembrandt thing you're doing yeah. here. And uh, it's definitely as equally as priceless. I mean, this is an ancient mm -hmm. artifact, basically, yeah. that's in a museum. It must have just been an easy grab because I saw that, too. And I, thought that was I can crazy. see that being an easy they grab. They had yeah. paper art, basically, in one of the pieces of art. So they took that... Um, the um uh the self-portrait of rembrandt um mm -hmm. which is like they're very one. tiny yeah they took a small one um because they went to grab the big one but it was actually painted on wood and they realized mm -hmm. that it's just they they wanted to roll stuff so they 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 ditched mm -hmm. that and then just grabbed something else so it seems like they might have panicked possibly twice and just grabbed two things right but here's the thing with the small the small sketch it was meticulously unscrewed and separated from the frame so if you're trying to do something fast uh, that seems like the slowest way to do it. Um, and obviously that's hard to keep in good shape because literally a piece of paper that's the size of a postage stamp. It feels like if you shove that in your pocket, you're going to ruin it immediately, which they might have just done that. But then why take it out so meticulously? If you just smash the frame, grab the piece of paper, throw it in your pocket, you're, you're good to go. It's odd. There's so many weird twists and turns in the story that you, oh, it's just as soon as you think you pinned it down what they're doing, 
I have another thing that comes up, but I go, well, yeah, but why'd they do that though? Yeah, well, exactly. So, um, yeah, so my guess is it, time didn't seem to be a concern. And also because the guards weren't found for way later, we'll talk about that in a minute, but we'll get, we'll yeah. get there. But so maybe time wasn't a problem. Like I said, space is definitely an issue. And also if they're leaving the museum as cops with paintings that are huge and square, it's mm-hmm. clearly stealing them. But if they just have a duffel bag, yeah. Well, let's also not forget. I, I didn't realize not. this in the first part. Some of the paintings were small enough, like you said, that they could have been when they were cut out. You figure, oh, we'll roll them up and throw them in a tube and that's all over. But a lot of them, because of the, the nature of art at the time, they're on a canvas. So you can't oh. just roll it up like a like a blueprint and put it in a tube. A lot of these things would have to be at least carried out um, in their full form. I mean, outside of the frame, which, you know, mm-hmm. gets rid of 20, 30 pounds, but you still have to carry this. I mean, one of the Rembrandt paintings, the uh, the Storm of the Sea of Galilee, was five by four. So that's like a holding up a person and coming out. And if you wanted to separate it from the canvas itself, first of all, you're destroying it. But also, it'd be difficult to do that without ripping the whole fucking thing in half. Yeah, so that's a good point. It's, I mean, it's just I feel like there wasn't a lot of, um, uh, you know, just witnesses to this going on. I have a feeling that these guys were walking out with these full paintings for a lot of it and. They knew how to get out of it. It's hard to say. Trips to the car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so which which seems insane. But there's, there's no, the only witnesses we have to the outside are the two people who saw them in that car. We don't have anyone seeing any cops carrying anything, any cops walking around. No witnesses there. And like you said, the cameras aren't as reliable as we think. We want them to be everywhere. They were. They, they just weren't. All it was was the sensors. So we know when, when they're moving and when, but we don't actually get to visually see them do this. But I thought that was interesting too. You figure if you're going to cut them out of the frames, you roll up and stick them in the tube, but then you come to find out not all these paintings can be dealt with that way. So then why cut them out of the frames to begin with? You're taking more time than you need to. If you're gonna have to carry them out wholesale, just carry them out wholesale or cut them out and roll them up. But to cut them out and then carry them out is yeah. so strange to me. Well, my So I don't think it's that strange because of just how I would do it. I'm thinking of how I do this. Yeah. And not that I've stolen art, but I. Right, but you can't help but think, how would I do this if, if I so, was going to yeah, try to pull like, this off? I, I have a decent amount of art in my house, and like, Ooh. I do. None of it's worth shit, but it's just, you know, like every time we've moved, we've had to, like, you know, put it in these boxes and move it. Um, so my thing Born. is, yeah, is, yeah, with the frames, it becomes heavy and it sucks. And those frames, getting those frames off the wall, I'm assuming is, is not. Yeah, easy. I mean, yeah, um, lose the frames, you know. Yeah, lose the frames, that. easier enough. Um, so again, like I said, I thought they would roll it. And, um, and for some of them, they, they very well could have, but it would it would take, from what I understand, it would take longer to separate them from the canvas and get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe that's why they took so long to begin with. So. Yeah. Exactly. But my also my also thought I didn't think of until now is that if you roll it, it might crack, especially. Being oh, of course. I mean, that, that was the thought so that everyone this isn't, you know. Yeah. Everyone who worked in the museum was like, if these guys rolled these things up, all this, the cracking paint is going to is it's going to destroy these paint things. I mean, even if, you know, it doesn't ruin them entirely, just to ruin them even a little bit is diminishing the value and just kind of just destroying this, this piece of yeah, art, which is you want to store it in perfectly. Yeah. um unhumid dry yeah. Yeah. completely flat protected like oh, it's just like dealing with like you know a, it's just this precious little gentle thing and yeah. to just be like throwing them around and crushing them in a fucking tube it's like you're, you're destroying the whole no. thing yeah not a good idea so so um yeah so maybe they put them in like a piece of cardboard or something like they just sandwich could them like be this. 
yeah, like yeah. That. So I'm just thinking there's something to it, you know, to keep them mm -hmm. okay after you know cutting them out. But you'd think they would have had to at least thought about it that far ahead because all the information that they know going into this heist leads me to believe that they had a lot more planning than just. Mm -hmm. You don't just get a couple cop uniforms as a birthday gift and say, hey, why don't we go rob the Gardner Museum? That, that might be a cool move. No, no. They, they had a full knowledge of what pieces they wanted to take because they took specific pieces. And another thing about the heist is that all of the paintings and objects were taken from the second floor around this similar area, except for one that was taken on the first floor, which seems to be another anomaly that they would do that when they have this certain thing they have to do here so the thing is so we should talk about that so nobody really understands why they took what they took for a couple of reasons mm -hmm. one being what you just said two being um yeah we got a lot of so rebrands verniers flinks the chinese mm -hmm. thing yep. um portrait um and you know what i say now like eight more paintings from different places mm -hmm. none of them are the most valuable paintings in the museum the 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 concert is the most valuable of the group but it doesn't seem to be still the most valuable in the, in the whole museum. Yeah, I, I thought that, that the uh, the Rembrandt uh, Storm of the Sea of Galilee is the only painting he ever did of a seascape. So that was mm -hmm. inherently more valuable just for that. But I can see how, yeah, there's a reason why they took certain paintings and not others. It's not it's right, but it's, exactly. But it still wasn't as valuable as like the concert by Vermeer. Um, but there's other ones in the museum that are that are are that are really more valuable. So like. Mm -hmm. They, they knew what they were going to take, but they didn't take exactly the, like the best bang for the buck. They could have yeah, more including it's unscrewing the top of a flag. Joke, it, was, it was a flag piece called a finial on top of it was from the Napoleonic Wars. And they took the time to unscrew the, the top of a flag and take that. I mean, if you're trying to save time and hmm. snatch and grab stuff, why are you taking it? That's the least valuable thing they took. And they took the time to meticulously unscrew it. They found the screws in the ashtray. Um, and it, outside the room there it's like what the hell so weird like you said not the most valuable thing there to just yeah so it's calculated but they didn't get the most valuable stuff and they mm -hmm. seem to grab some random stuff out in the way um as far as we know it's random yeah well as far as we know it's random i mean definitely the potion stamp size self-portrait probably was based off of they took the other one that was wood off of the wall and mm -hmm. then bailed after that yeah um, and but no i heard a couple was... versions of that though they, they there was one yeah the rembrandt, rembrandt painting they left and yeah. you're saying you think it's i mean you might be right that it's because it was painted on wood they couldn't take it as easily mm -hmm. but it's interesting that that was the one piece that they left there after they took it off the wall i mean i feel like you're in for a penny in for a pound maybe that one was on the list and they didn't know that it was gonna be more difficult to take i it seems I like speculation i mean I maybe they're maybe that's what, what it was what? maybe it wasn't that maybe you went down with this randy what the fuck randy randy <laughs> I said not the wood ones. Jesus fucking clear. Not that one. The other one was the guy with the black. The other hat. one. Jesus. Not that one. Yeah, just, yeah. The wood, like, <laughs> just fucking stop. Just leave it. Just, <laughs> you know, like, just leave it there. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck don't it. put just no don't don't hang, hang it back up. Yeah. Don't fucking hang it back up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Randy, I fucking knew you weren't the oh, sorry. I'm talking about the guards. <laughs> yeah, don't say <laughs> but um, the two guys, but, yeah, uh, whatever yeah. their names are, no one knew what other names, but you know, right. um, yeah, this, our suspects here, but yeah, the, the whole thing all together was 81 yeah. minutes. So that's an extremely long heist, which also implies yeah. that they knew there's no cops coming because yeah. if you're going to steal things for 81 minutes in a, in a full museum, you have to either be stupid enough to not do the heist or 
you know there's no cops coming so you can take your time with these pieces because that's just it's i mean it's almost a full length of a movie they're robbing this place and they are pretty comfortable and no one's going to show up and obviously no one saw them leave so they had plenty of time to leave as well yeah and and each each interaction just had gaps in between like i said at first when they um after they tied them up they waited 13 minutes and supposedly they think that they waited to see if cops were going to come and then i can like, i can I see that yeah because that's in the timeline of when they would show up after something happened sure. like, all right so we're clear if they didn't show up now they're never going to show up mm-hmm but it also seems they might have known that there's only one button to call the police at the security desk because mm-hmm. after that had happened, they had no concern that they would show up. It, maybe after that 13 minutes initially, but it seemed after that they were like, there's no, there's no way someone's going to, you know, hit another ma- magical button somewhere in the cops show. Like after that, they're like, oh, we're in the clear now. Like, take your time and yeah. make sure not to fuck these paintings up because if you fuck them up when you cut them out, uh, they're worthless. So. Yeah, and it's, it right. it's wise, and it's also a telltale sign of like somebody who's probably done something like this before. You're talking to criminals. I mean, these are not just normal mm-hmm. people. Who are like, let's just give this a shot and see how it goes. These guys, no matter what you say, they knew what they were doing panicking. going into it. That's yeah, that's for panicking. sure. Definitely not panicking. No. Yeah, they're just using like, all right, we're gonna wait for like, you call nine one one and cops show up in this area between probably four and thirteen minutes, and they waited as they waited for the tail end of the possibility of when they came. yeah they didn't come. They said, all right, we're in the clear. We can just our feedback and steal some paintings. Pretty so crazy. yeah, all said and done, like I said, 81 minutes, 13 paintings that would be valued today around uh, half of, hold on. <laughs> it's done. Wow. There we go. That would be valued at uh, half a billion dollars. And now let's talk about the morning of, because as of right now, no one in this museum or is associated with the museum knows this has happened. People are getting up, on Sunday morning, getting ready for their St. Patty's Day parade. Hopefully, you know, some hair of the dog, getting that hangover cured up, saying their prayers, make it to church early. You got to see this parade. And uh, the security guards show up to open up the building to get in. You have to be buzzed in by other security guards as that kind of passing of the torch. And there's no answer. No one's answering the security gate. So they know something is awry at this point. Something has gone wrong. Yep. Either uh, uh, Ricky has uh, smoked too much weed and passed out. Oh, where, where's my trumpeteer over there? He's not there either. It's an issue. So they actually have to call the head of security to unlock the building because he's the only one who has the key to unlock it without being buzzed in. And he takes the security guard through a separate door. They walk to the security office and the door has been kicked in and they start to realize this isn't a fluke. There has been uh, something very badly that's happened last night. Yep, exactly. And that's when they notify the Boston Police Department, who shows up, I think, 10 or 15 minutes after that initial discovery in the morning. So their initial thought is obviously, are the guys still here? And they're calling the police. And then their second thought is, uh, where are the security guards? Yeah. And it's not until the police show up that they actually find them, because they can't find them anywhere in the museum. And they probably thought they were probably dead or something like that, but they were yeah. downstairs. And when the, the police area. came in, they said when they couldn't find the security guards, they, the, the one of the experienced cops said, if we're going to find a body, it's going to be the basement. So they went down there thinking that these guys might already be dead in the basement. Yeah, and, they're, and these cops are very familiar with the Winter Hill gang. So they're very used to going in basements to find dead. Whitey Bulger's gang. Well, yes, exactly. So you're talking at a time where Boston was at its worst of all time in history. Yeah, um, we're in the middle we're, of... We're in the tail end of actually... And that these 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 cops, 
they know they know the this is how this goes down so, yeah the irish and italian mob had been running uh, the town for years and years and this has been right at that time where they're starting to actually get these big cases to break and they're arresting 20 30 guys a clip trying to dissipate them completely but it's still in a time where the headline is usually you know so and so mobster gets arrested you know on a charge rather than this art heist that's about to be the breaking news of the time yep exactly so they um they went downstairs found the guards same thing um they were still alive luckily but alive uh, whatever it is in the guards once we get to the interviews they um uh, had nothing but nice things to say about the robbers they were very mm. kind to them they would uh you know periodically check on them to make sure that their their duct tape isn't too tight and they're they're comfortable and then yeah ask them if they need water they didn't torture them they didn't pistol yeah. whip them obviously they didn't kill them which would be the easiest yeah. thing to get away with not to get away with, but to make sure that they don't say anything about you later. But yeah, which is crazy because if you're, you know, if you're in that position, you're just like, we're just gonna, they're just gonna just broke up a little bit. Oh, sorry. If you're in the position, they're just, you're just thinking they're just gonna kill you. And of uh, course, and you, yeah. Or and then, then their words themselves during multiple like rounds of interviews is, um, they just thought they were just gonna leave and burn the place down. Oh wow, that would have been even more tragic. Yeah. yeah. All that. That, oh, was, man. that was what they thought, which is, which is, again, that's what they thought. doesn't mean that's, that's, that's just based yeah. off of their fears, not anything else. So. And from interviews with our people who worked for security, they, they had been complaining about the lack of um, security for mm -hmm. months. They said that this place, yeah. you know, kind of seems suspicious to have security guards talk about that. But, you know, if you work a job like that, you know, the ins and outs of it and you know how safe or unsafe it was. And a lot of security guards were like, we're just, you know baiting people to get robbed here it's gonna be way too easy if it happens so you got to think that night when it is happening they're like oh fuck it finally happened had to be yeah. me you know exactly so it's the first night timer you must be like what the fuck but also mm -hmm. um yeah they had like uh, i don't know if they're formal audits but there is some sort of audit by like the museum of science and like other museums around there that were like hey you guys gotta probably ramp it up like you yeah guys have, not you guys are acceptable based off of like the standard for security the bare but, minimum but that what like they had the bare minimum security that was yeah. acceptable. Yeah, like have. it's okay. You guys have enough, but we think you need more. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly they did. Proof's in the pudding. Yeah, exactly. It certainly did. So um, want to take a quick commercial break. Uh, sure, yeah. From our sponsors real quick. And uh, we'll get back to you guys about some leads and people of interest. What's going on, cool cats? Tis the season to enjoy a little bit of the countryside. When I'm enjoying the countryside, I can't think of one thing better to pop into my gullet than New England's best IPA, courtesy of Wormtown Brewery. Don't worry. Why you worried? The Oppie. got the uh, FBI involved now, the uh, Boston branch, and mm -hmm. they took immediate control of the case. Yeah, I think they, they basically said to all the local guys, yeah, step aside. This is, step this is aside. a big me, case. The FBI, um, this stuff is likely to cross state lines. It's on our, it's on our, jo it's our job to handle this from here now. So Yeah, and they're right. I mean, it's a classic thing of getting in the way of the local police department, but aren't they right? It's a, you know, multi-hundred million dollar art case i don't really think the local boston chapter is really fit for this yeah no. if anyone is 
Yeah, so they're like, going to cross state lines. Um, we've got very little evidence of anything ever at all besides stolen paintings, no hair, no fingerprints. Yep. Um, we've got a description from the guards of like one fat guy in his 30s with a fake mustache and another, uh, you know, taller guy, sort of fat guy in his 30s, 30s. Who's, who's, who's shorter, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, the one guy that wasn't fat, though, he, he was, you know, no, like they said, they average said medium. weight. Yeah, medium. What is medium? What does medium mean? Well, I, mean, I don't know. Medium in 1990. Just, that's yeah, hard like to say. Some skinny fat dude. Then you this is a wait. tough time for forensics too. You're right on the edge of all the old forensics becoming obsolete, but not close enough. Like they were looking for DNA. I mean, they weren't looking for DNA. They're looking for fingerprints and like mm -hmm. they wanted people's names and shit. Uh, you know, a decade later, you'd have DNA, you'd have cell phone tracking, you'd have infrared oh, yeah. camera, you'd have everything. So but you're just on the cusp of it. It's like you're, you might as well be a 1970s detective on a serial murder case. Yeah. And five years later, you'll have all the evidence you need. And of course, anything saved is not useful enough. In particular, the duct tape, they could have got fingerprints off of that. They had a picture of it on the floor. They crumpled it up and threw it in the corner after they took it off the guy's head because like, oh, get this out of here. It's trash. No, it's not. And then <laughs> that, that evidence has gone missing. So not only we have Above DNA that. off the duct tape, we'd have Just fingerprints. Clean up all that blood right now. Just clean it up now. Get yeah, out it's here. a mess in here, you know? All this broken glass, wipe it out. Yeah, I mean, the boss police were stomping all over that crime scene before the FBI yeah. even showed up, and the FBI was on the, on the thing pretty fast. Uh, yeah. I'm sure a couple of those police officers were none too happy to, to leave the uh, the St. Patrick's Day parade to have to go deal with this froofy, fancy boy French art and shit. <laughs> I mean, I saw some interviews with people in Boston talking about this. It's just and those classic Boston shit. They're like, I don't know about this fucking foofy foofy art stuff i don't know i don't i don't care it's like yeah i know you don't know i don't blame you i'm just saying it might not be taken as seriously as, a, as an fbi agent like did i fucking say to clean up the mess right there or did i not say to clean up the fucking mess <laughs> yeah. you know like like what did i tell you get the fuck out of here like <laughs> dude one of the ladies who gets interviewed as soon as they they start talking to her she drinks out of her cup and she goes hate water <laughs> she hates water it's classic boston classic personality. irish boston, boston she's like boston i hate person. water i can't stand water that's classic. there you go classic i like that person. and it's so st. yeah patrick's, we got it's st patrick's day there's so many things about this that are just the most oh, it's, it's a great story it's fucking funny i love it it's hilarious oh, mm -hmm. God, that's really, really so yeah on top of the fact the fbi is not looking for evidence i thought it'd be interesting to say that they started leaning towards obviously we got a question of security guards. These guys knew too much about the museum in and out. And if they didn't know it, they got really fucking lucky by knowing there's only one button, knowing that they'd get let through immediately, even though the guy didn't have to open the door. I mean, it's all lining up uh, for these two robbers here, including the fact that there is a secret door in the Dutch room that they walked through and it was left ajar when the FBI showed up. So that's a door that even the average hood could go in there and case the joint if you buy a ticket you still wouldn't know about that secret door a lot of people who have visited there as patrons didn't know about it but these guys utilized it as part of the heist letting authorities think there might be a little more inside knowledge here than previously expected obviously pointing their fingers at the two guys working that night but it could have been any of the security staff that could have let these guys know about this that's true wow i didn't know about that door when i was there yeah I mean, either. I've never been. <laughs> I didn't find it. I was just laughing to myself because I was thinking of the Dave Chappelle skit where he's like, every crime scene has semen on it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. The FBI agents, dude, you get the fuck clean that fucking up. It's just, it's the Stuart Car Museum has semen. It was their signature. <laughs> After stealing the artwork, they sprayed their DNA. But like, I don't even know what DNA is. Doesn't count yet. Why, is it's 1990. Why is art heist with two men? No one's even been touched. Why is there semen everywhere? <laughs> There's semen all over the frames that were left behind. Exactly. Why? The calling card. That didn't happen, guys. That, that, that no, no, that's just a joke. Well, but one of the frames was see. left on the seat of the security director, which is another reason why they thought it might have been an inside information because it kind of seemed like a big fuck you to the security yeah. director because it was that one painting taken from the first floor. And the only time anyone walked into that room from the motion sensor data, which we're going to take as gospel, we don't know if it was faulty or not. Mm -hmm. It was before the heist ever started was the last time anyone walked in that room. And the frame ended up on the security desk and it's never been seen again, which means that either the, the sensor data didn't work or someone who was in that building before the heist began removed that painting. So it's hard to say, but it's interesting. Very interesting. And also it's, like you said, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem to fit the theme of what they were going for here. It's a different room, different artists, you know, mid-sized painting just yeah. was missing. I wonder if it was like his favorite painting or something and they knew that. Could be like, hey, this is this is his everything, and you go, yeah, this is the one you like, or take this right here. Here's the well, frame it's like, for it's you. It's like why why um, uh, Hitler invaded Stalingrad instead of Moscow or Saint Petersburg. It was because it had his name. It was a billion miles out of the way, but he said it's his name, and we're gonna go take it. For <laughs> and it was the worst decision he ever made, and quite frankly, possibly why we don't we aren't Germans right now. Yeah, that's um, that's big time because they all died in the fucking winter. But also, if you consider that. Thing. If you can say that art thievery, which I do, the biggest art thieves in the history of the world, the uh, the Nazi invasion the of Europe. Oh yeah, they took it all, and there's a lot of it still missing. The Nazi That's gold right. Train. Another podcast could be Nazi gold train because there's a lot about that fucker. For sure, yeah. I just thought that was an interesting time. Art and gold. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, so Joe said it a few times, but didn't even say it. Um, suspect number one is Rick Abbott. Mm -hmm. You got to think this guy let these guys in. He possibly was in one of the rooms. The painting was stolen before the heist even begun. He opened up the door tenants for the heist starts. And now he's just hanging out, letting these guys in the media. I mean, I mean, he was suspect number one. Like this guy let these guys in and he told them everything about the museum and they knew what to do. And now he's duct taped comfortably to a pipe and they're asking him if, if he feels if he needs any water. I mean, this seems like this guy was in on it. Yeah, why is exactly. he dead? In, why in why like, is he duct taped all weird? He's not dead. He, he says that he doesn't know what happened, but you know, they're going to okay. question him. Well, and the thing with the whole door is that like um, other security guards would have noticed this is something he does and said, hey, uh, bro, um, that's going to fucking stop. Yeah, you so should not did do it, that. They would have said they would have noticed it mm -hmm. and said, this is you, you can't be doing this here. This is against the rules. Were they going to fire you or tell you give you one warning? Mm -hmm. um, so, and they, so they the did claim that, he that is a lie. Yeah, he, oh, said, he says he does it all the time, but then the actual motion sensor records for the rest of that week, because they didn't keep long logs like we have now, we have more memory storage. Just for every other day he worked that week, uh, he never opened that door. So uh, maybe he does open it a lot, but he never did that week until that night, which is suspicious. Yep, yep, exactly. Back to your, you know, first floor um, blue room painting. Um, the only the only footsteps That's the man that room. painting. In that room that night were of Abbott's, not the yeah. thieves. So, um, so uh, CLC. Yeah, and uh, security consultant uh, confirmed this was all working properly. Mm -hmm. um, 
And uh, yeah, however, an FBI agent, the other thing in his defense is that uh, they studied the, they, they, they meticulously studied these guys and said, basically, this guy's too stupid to do this. Yeah, I mean, the stupidity the only, that, that led this to happen might have been the saving. Like, oh, this is some stoner who let's let them in. Well, then, yeah. unfortunately, they got in. But because they're calling him like a banned stoner guy, they also think he couldn't have planned this. So they give him the pass on that. I mean, they never, they never charge him with anything. So obviously, if they had anything on him, they would have definitely liked to charge him. But they decided not to after asking him, all the questions we're talking about right now, apparently. Yep, exactly. And um, and he, and he put it in his he put it in his two weeks notice before this happened. By the way, oh, another yeah, you mentioned that red yeah, mark on that. And that. he did quit the day after when he said, "I'm lucky to be alive. I, I could give a shit about the artwork. I thought they were gonna kill me." So I actually well, can respect. You pretty that. much told them like, uh, "I don't I don't get paid enough to die in this die for this job." So you I can I can respect that. Yeah, respect I'd that. See. Yeah. Which is another reason why maybe they had something to do with it because they're they're all just pissed. They're underpaid security guards and like, no, sure. you do your thing. I don't get paid enough for that shit. I'm not gonna die. Yeah, and you're you're fully aware of how easy it would be to pull off a heist like this. Meanwhile, you're sitting getting pennies on the dollar, looking at these priceless pieces of art, saying they should really take care of this place better, and they're not taking care of me. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let's teach them a lesson and riddle the floor with paintings. I think it's 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 not spoken about how funny it is that the FBI just studied the two of them enough to and then said they're as nicely as he said incomp too incompetent to be able to be yeah. a part of this, which is exactly like Jeff from American Dad. He he goes into this one episode where he like turns smart and then the only way to outsmart the smart people is to be his normal self, which is too stupid for them to predict. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's so stupid that they can't even they don't know what his next move they is can't even predict his next move because it just just so defies logic that yeah. these guys might have just been that dumb that they do. Like, it they could be i mean that the things I, they did are weird but um not at all thought out mm-hmm. um and there was one more weird thing about abbott um that they disproved but maybe they don't again same thing it's 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 he said she said um was it the week before or the night oh the night before the theft um abbott this fucking guy man. i He's love either, this guy dude he's i love this guy too fun. he's either really he really is either just jeff from american dad or he's um or he's uh or he's really just a part of the whole damn thing or he has a gun to his head or something or he's i don't know but like he buzzed it the night before he buzzed in an unidentified man into the museum to talk to him at the security desk yeah we that, that's they have the tape they don't have yeah. a video footage of the actual entry of the cops because when they bust in the security room, they knew right where the tape is and they destroyed the tape and they destroyed the paper record of the entries mm-hmm. and exits. They didn't know what a hard drive was because it's yep. early in computers, so they had to log still. But these guys knew right where to go to destroy the evidence. And uh, one night before, he let another guy in. That, that tape's still there because no one broke that tape. So that's a bad yeah. look. Jeff, Jeff, stop buzzing people in, dude. Yeah, right. It's supposed to be no one, even the, even the police, and he's letting in a non-police yeah, officer the night before. So it's just, a, come on, man. It's really funny. So I think they just guys. got so complacent. They'd be like, no one's, nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing ever happens here. Like, it's so boring here. We don't give a what, shit. What do you want? No I'll let cares. you in. What's the worst that could happen kind of yeah, thing? I think that's out, smoke a joint with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I appreciate some art that you can't see anywhere else in the world. Yeah, hey, man, you want to... It's like night at the museum. Hey man, you want to come here at night? It's really crazy. Like nothing's yeah. like. I mean, the other guy brought his trumpet with him. I don't think he had any plans that he was going to get robbed that night. Leave that shit at home. No, exactly. 
these people are funny. I mean, they're, they're playing trumpet. I feel so bad for them too. If they really had nothing to do with it, like what a shitty night. You're like, you kidding me? I don't need this. I don't need this shit, man. Yeah, it's really funny. They're gonna blame me for this, and I'm. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm trying not to I'm get a killed. Fucking idiot. Yeah. I should have been fired for the things I'm doing. But they not, didn't fire not, them. They didn't fire either of them. They no, both quit. Like, I should have been fired for the things that I do on a daily basis, but they're not related to getting robbed. Like yeah, I yeah. had nothing to do with this. I just don't do my job. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's what you get. You get what you pay for, man. You really do. Yeah, so yeah. if you want to protect these priceless pieces of art, maybe you don't uh, pay minimum wage to a guy who's trying to get his band off the ground in Alston, living with eight other guys, jamming out. That's what you got. He's going to the dead show this weekend. You said he was planning on calling out on Sunday either way. Because <laughs> he was going to do acid in Hartford, Connecticut. Just so happens, gun put it in his head, so not going to work out. But he's still going to the show. I like that about him. I, just, I appreciate Imagine it. Imagine dropping acid and you, that morning you had been to put a gun to your fucking head and they robbed him millions of dollars. You're like, I'm not going to miss the dead show just because of that. I am, I'm still alive, aren't I? Well, someone asked you, like, dude, were you there? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to go back on Monday. I got to go talk to the yeah, police I for 12 hours. This, I, I probably, this probably looks really bad right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I don't think that... Um, if so. he had something to do with it, I don't think he gained a lot from it because he was just, you know, all the wrong moves. Yeah. But who knows? So that being said, let's get into the suspects here because uh, we got we got to figure out who the fuck did this because someone did it. And uh, spoiler alert on the podcast, we still don't know who did it. So we're just going to have to talk it through because yeah. the paintings haven't been found. So we don't exactly know what happened. We can only parse together information as we know it. And as obviously investigators and private journalists have discovered it for themselves. And everyone has their own idea of what happened. Um, but what's the first thing you think about when you think of missing paintings? What I think about is the black market and selling into some Russian oligarch or Saudi prince or some kind of you know, evil genius who just likes to have these paintings just as like a status move. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. Like, maybe they just, they knew a guy who can move paintings to some kind of, you know, rich yeah. billionaire in the middle of nowhere who's just going to hang it up at his house. Because obviously you can't be flaunting these things around. You're basically admitting that you have a hot painting that's worth millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, I that was my first thought. Me and Joe, uh, we talked about that, I think, at the, uh, what town was that? House of Pizza? Warren. Yeah. Warren House of Pizza. Shout out to those guys. That place is That was awesome. Shout out. Really, genuinely excellent, real Italian people giving you real Italian food. I'll um, be back. I will definitely back to Warren House of Pizza. Love that place. Anyways, um, um, yeah, so, like, I was I was learning about stolen paintings and stolen artifacts. Like, really, actually, more stolen artifacts, like, taken. Mm -hmm. Well, this is how it came up. We, you pointed at a part of the wall that had a missing covered. piece of art. It was lit, and you, yes. you brought up this this heist, and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you're mm -hmm. like, are you fucking kidding me? And this is how we got in the conversation about this, because as we see, the, the frames are still up in the museum. Uh, so it's kind of that yeah. haunting, you know, missing kind of deal. Yeah. We were at this cool house of pizza Italian restaurant. It was a great, and they had a lot of art. They did. <laughs> they seriously did, like cool stuff. And um, and uh, and and I said like, oh, there's a story about like 
yeah, same thing like a Saudi prince who's someone you don't even know. You know, a lot of times you even know those guys. Like they don't, they're not like the the Meghan Markle crowd. Like these are like no, 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 yeah, crazy rich people who just drive their Ferraris all of a sudden. That's the thing. If if you're rich in your town, people know about you. Yeah. If you're rich in your country, people know about you. If you're the richest people in the world, no one know who you fucking are unless they want yeah. you to. People yeah. like Bill Gates and Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. They want people to know how much money they have. Otherwise, you wouldn't know about them. I wouldn't know about the Koch brothers unless they made 10 documentaries about them over 30 years. And there's no, yeah. still no one knows who they are. Exactly. I don't know all those princes in the Middle East that are getting yeah. all this oil money. If you don't want to be known, you won't be. You have enough money to do it otherwise. And you get that a lot of these Saudi prince type of stuff in, you know, anywhere in Asia that these, these there's some seriously rich people who fly under the radar. But they have people real money friends and they go, they go, hey, um, like they, on their wall, you go, where's that from? And they go, oh, that's a that's a piece from that was made in uh, it was under the Sphinx. And I and I, I got it off of whatever it is. Like Exactly. It's like, like just that. to say that that's why they yeah. do it, just so they can brag that moment. They can tell you right? like, hey, this is this, this is the actual painting yeah. from the year 1300 that this one guy did. You know, the one that no one else has. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Or this is, uh, you know, Vermeer's The Concert from 1663. Yeah, right? and here it Boston. is. And you this know, they're not it. an art expert. They, they can't actually verify it. But just for them, nope. they know it's the real one. So they're yeah, like, they yeah, know. fuck And yeah. no one can verify it. And then there could be stories that saying, hey, this guy in Saudi Arabia has one of the paintings. And they go, great. People probably say it all the time. But he knows that yeah. he actually does have the Right, but he, but he knows it is the one. Everyone right? goes, he said he had the one. But, you know, how can you possibly verify that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably hundreds of, you know, fake. We know there's hundreds of fakes out there of all these famous paintings. But, you know, there is the one original. And uh, our experts using, you know, specific technology like electron microscopes and, and know all the details they know about it, they can pretty much figure it out if they have the full painting yeah, in a long period of time. But to not even have the painting or just having pictures of it, there's no way to really tell if it's a forgery yeah. or not, if it's a good one. So. Yeah, they can do, uh, you know, uh, yeah, again, like I said, take a sample of the paint and then break it down. Mm -hmm. Which they, so yeah. This is likely the, this is what they would use yeah, back then. It at the time, like it's. 500 years old. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, crazy. crazy. But it's hard to say. So crazy. So, um, so I, I think to start off the suspects, besides we already talked about the two guards. Mm -hmm. um, but even if the two guards are suspected of being implicated, they're clearly not the two people who stole the paintings because they were still tied up in the morning and the paintings were gone. I, so, I'm not, I personally don't want to rule that rule uh, rule them out for not being accomplices. Um, I, but, I could see that, but they clearly yeah, yeah, they could be accomplices, they but they clearly weren't the two cops that walked in the two oh, fake yeah. cops. Oh, of course, yeah. So, like again, they're likely probably not accomplices, but I can't say that they're not. I mean, with the multiple different gangs in Boston, and like there's there's just you know there could be and how right. easy it was for them to come in and do it. Um, I would say as we get into it, that if they were accomplices, then they were clearly strong armed in doing it because they had no financial benefit whatsoever from it. These guys are. Not to knock them, but they're in no better position now than they were when this heist happened. I mean, they're, they're just still just chilling out, living their lives. They didn't really get a whole lot out of it. So if they were accomplices, they get fucked out of millions of dollars. And if they were strong-armed into doing it by maybe a more powerful organization than themselves, they might have felt like they were compelled to do it to save the lives of them or their families. Then they're accomplices? No. I could buy that. I don't buy that they benefited from it, though, really. No. No, I don't. I don't see any benefit here, but they might have just no. there might have been some crazy pressure, and that's maybe know, understandable. Yeah. So, so before we talk about people, um, let's talk about the, animals. The strongest lead, 
so many animals. Uh, uh, the the phoenix. It, it, it burns and it rises from the ashes. What's that all about? Yeah, phoenix is pretty cool, man. Seen some cool birds recently. Um, mm. In 1994 was the strongest lead they ever got. And it was a letter to the museum from supposedly the people who stole it. And mm. they said, hey, we stole this. Um, and we did it because we wanted to use it as a negotiation tool to get somebody out of prison. And they get that letter from that. Because early on in the investigation, the FBI informed the museum that if they want to get this these paintings back, which they want to at all costs, it would benefit them to put up a reward because even if the people who stole it won't come forward, if someone knows something, they're going to come forward if you give them some money. So they got a uh, million dollars together to as a reward. If anyone could identify and find the painting, they're going to pay a million dollars, whether or not you were involved. So that was the first step to be like, let's get some tips. And that's why what you said, people start calling in all over yep. the country to say, I think I saw it. I think I know something or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so again, this took four years for this to happen, and um, and it was a third-party negotiator that said, "I don't know the thieves, but this is my job. I'm writing to you guys to try to say that um, the artwork was stolen to reduce a prison sentence." Mm -hmm. um, but that opportunity has passed, and there's no longer a motive to keep um, keep the artwork, and they uh, wanted to negotiate a return. Um, mm -hmm. So that was the first piece, and it was something like. Uh, you know, they want immunity for themselves, everybody involved, uh, and just $2.6 million. And we'll give the, we'll just give it all back, you know, which is obviously, you know, $198 million less than. Yeah. It's a uh, fraction what it of worth. what it's worth. Yeah, and even on the so black market where obviously things are worth a lot less because where else are you going to sell it? Even on the black market, it's worth much more than $2 million. Exactly. So, so this is, this sounds like a smoking hot deal for the, the, the museum especially yeah and ultimately they just want the paintings back so they're going to do anything they can to get them back yeah exactly they can either go in the black market and pay 200 million dollars if they can even find it or they can do it this way you know so um right. so basically this writer this third party writer said all right so if you guys can you like if you want to respond put a coded message in the boston globe mm -hmm. which is cool um so um yeah so they put that coded message in and on may 1st 1994 um, and they received a second letter um, and acknowledged the museum was interested in negotiating, um, but had become fearful of what the perceived was a, you know, basically they're, they're scared that the FBI is going to be too into this and they're going to get fucked and caught and taken over. What it's just, it's just not organic. And somebody's, mm -hmm. you know, every, you know, you answer like, Hey, they're calling the answer. Then the FBI picks up the same time and they're listening. Yeah. And the museum thought the FBI wasn't interested enough in the case because they're busy busting almost every mobster in America at this time, they're still on a roll destroying every mafia in America. So they could give a fuck about these paintings. Uh, besides the fact that, like you said, these, these paintings might actually be used to get these mob guys out of prison, which now yeah. the FBI is licking their chops and the museum doesn't want a conviction as much as they want the paintings back. So their motivations are there. We want the paintings mm -hmm. back at all costs. And if you jeopardize it by spooking them, we might lose our only lead of ever getting these things to back again. Yeah, exactly. So the writer got spooked and said, um, basically, they need to evaluate their options. And yeah. uh, they never heard from again. And that's that. That's the last thing they heard. I thought as the, the first suspect was interesting is that they looked into, obviously, who do we know? Because a lot of times when people are you know, committing crimes, they look to people who have committed crimes in the past and try to tie them 
to the crime itself. Mm -hmm. A lot of times this works out great. They find, you know, murderers because people who have, you know, been accused of this in the past, they find it out there or charges like that. A lot of the times it, it, people have been wrongfully convicted because they are a past criminal and they were in the same area as a crime happened and they wrongfully convicted and they go, well, you, you robbed a bank once, now here's another bank robbery, you were in the neighborhood, you're the guy and then you're the fall guy. But in this case, it was in 1988, only two years prior, there was a major art heist in Yarmouth, Massachusetts. And it was similarly, someone walked in uh, they didn't need to be buzzed in like at this museum, but they walked in with a gun. They tied up the caretaker in a similar fashion, duct taped their eyes and their mouth. And they took uh, six paintings and one uh, Chinese artifact as well. That was at the Yarmouth Museum. No way. Uh, which is interesting. I, mean, I thought, well, this pretty similar crime, not that far away from Boston out in the Cape yeah. there. And the, and the style. And the style similar. And obviously, it's less money involved in that museum, but it's still very expensive. All these pieces, uh, hard to match half a billion dollars, but a lot of that. And um, that person, though, was convicted of that crime because he was a famous art thief. When I think of famous art thieves, I think of like uh, a movie where there's a guy in like a the curly mustache and a beret, and he and he's wearing the the raccoon mask, and he's you know, stealing the art and he really appreciates the artwork and he knows the guy to sell beyond it. But it's literally a guy from around Boston who was just really good at this. And his whole family was cops. His dad and all his brothers were cops. And he was like <laughs> an art thief. <laughs> like That was his job. That wasn't the first time he did it. That was the first time when they, they convicted him in the, in the 70s. They found out that he might have done this. And then this later crime, they figured it was him, too, because he had a history of trying to do this stuff. And he actually stole a Rembrandt from uh, the Boston Museum of Art. And he used that with the FBI to try to negotiate his sentence lowering. He got it from eight years to four years by telling them where that Rembrandt was. So this is the, sounds like we got a hot lead. It's like two years movie. earlier. It's a similar crime. He's even using Rembrandt to try to get a lesser sentence. We get this call. I mean, it's, it's the guy. Here's the thing. He was in prison at the time. He, they already caught him. So even though he's your guy, he's the type of guy who would do this shit. And they got him in the past doing it. He was in prison at the time of the robbery. So they figure, oh, well, we can't convict him because he couldn't have done it. That's your alibi. You're locked up. But I thought that was interesting because it's basically the exact same fucking crime. I mean, if he was loose, they would have pinned it on him easy. Yeah. That's, that's so crazy. Though. But – how many famous art thieves are there in the greater Boston area? Maybe he knew a couple of fellas that might have been involved in this. A well, little advice. somebody who's, who's, a, who's, a, who's a criminal but needs a little bit of an influence and is like, I like the way that guy did like sort of a copycat thing when we like, we're going to blow it out of the water instead of just go to a, you know, ship museum or whatever that guy robbed from. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's an art museum. It's just not as large. No, I know. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, that's who you think of when you think of art thieves? Uh, no, now it is, but I know I would have never thought of that. I would never thought of this, this guy from Boston going up to Yarmouth. And I mean, he's like a little Irish dude with a freaking beard and balding red hair. And he's like, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, this fucking guy gets that. I'm like, you're an art thief. He was an expert. He knew exactly the painting to take. He knew all this shit. I mean, he had, he had, I think about, he said around a million dollars in Japanese art. He had these katanas that were worth a hundred thousand dollars each. And he was, he was selling it to people, uh, you know, within the community. Um, 
that weren't stolen. So he, he definitely knew about art one way or the other, but he stole so much of it that he's, you know, obviously one of the biggest art thieves in history. And he's out of Southern Massachusetts. It's very strange. That's but strange. he couldn't have been one of those fake cops that night because he was in prison at the time for stealing art. But maybe he uh, threw a little advice their way. Who knows? Yeah, that's crazy. Miles Connor, what's his name? If I didn't say it already, I'll throw a picture Miles up. Connor. It's just there's so many suspects because he's not even on my list. Mm-hmm. It's just a great story. Well, I mean, he's so not really a suspect similar. because he couldn't have done it. Right, but I he, think he yeah. might have been associated just because that whole community is, you know, obviously yeah. not very large. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, the, the again, like it's actually it's just so hard to say, like, who we really think it is, because like in 2013, the FBI announced that they identified like two people with a really high degree of confidence that they think is it that are attached to um, oh, a mobster is dead. Yeah, and multiple was, times um, they, they would uh, say that we were yeah, right on the trail. There's a lot of this. And then so so the interesting thing, so we'll get that in a second, but I just want to say a funny fact because I just need this podcast to have this image. We're talking about thieves and heists and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a diamond heist. But every time you say when you think, who do you think of who robs like a robber? I, th- I just cannot help but think of, I already mentioned it, the wrong, tra- the stolen trousers or the wrong trousers from Los Angeles. Oh, the, the, the penguin. The penguin. The penguin. When, just <laughs> when the penguin puts on the rubber glove for a hat and goes and it goes <laughs> yeah, it's the best. that because then i think he's a rooster right here So um, it, it, this is this is generally hard to talk about at this point because the suspects are so tied to multiple different gangs. You get the Merlino gang, you have the Winter Hill gang, Whitey Bulger. Um, oh, well, let's, let's expand that a little bit because the, the, the first yeah, number one and two punch starts. after question marks and after this art thief is, is it the Irish mob or the Italian mob? Because they are con- committing crimes at an alarming rate over the past 20 years to the point where there's people showing up dead in Boston every fucking day and they've already put half of them in prison. So what the hell is going on here? So the Irish mob obviously has ties to the Winter Hill game and Whitey Bulger, and they had already been caught trying to move artwork in order to buy weapons for the Irish Republican Army, also known as the IRA, in Ireland, because at this time there's still a vicious terrorist battle going on with England uh, to free Northern Ireland from their yes, control. This is what I'm saying. This is why it's so confusing. So they figure maybe maybe this it's an Irish mob that. deal because they've already been yes. caught moving paintings in the past. Maybe they stole these paintings in order to trade them for weapons, and they can mm-hmm. ship them to uh, Northern Ireland and fund this uh, this war that's going on at, at the IRA. Um, mm-hmm but they, they couldn't trace it any further than that. And the IRA obviously denies anything like that. And they couldn't get any of the Irish gangs on actually tra- traveling with these particular paintings for arms deals after this happened, even though it had happened in the past. That's one of the first things I thought. And obviously South Boston uh, and Boston at the time, it's, you know, the gangs and the mafias being half Irish and half Italian 
it's not a bad guess, uh, especially when yeah. things heating up in Northern Ireland at the time. Yeah, and and so the, the so there's more details to this, which is why it's just such a it's it's generally hard to talk about. So the um, the IRA and their like um, uh, rival, it's called the the Ulster Volunteer Force, the UVF. Um, they both had agents in Boston at the time. They both uh, they both have done art heists recently in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and they both have a calling card of of uh, tripping the fire. Of jizzing alarm. all over all of the frames. Also call also tripping the fire alarm. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, That's a fire they trip alarm. The fire alarm is 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 there both of those those groups calling card before they do heist, they set the fire alarm off and then mm -hmm. they do the heist. So that's that's a really small detail, and again, this just could be coincidental because we have two stoners doing whatever, you mm -hmm. know. Like they could have just been smoking weed and said we don't get caught smoking weed in this in the in the you know basement or wherever these alarms are going off. I think they're actually in the rooms of the art, but um, and and so there's one guy named Charlie Hill, and he's a retired art antiquities investigator for Scotland Yard, and mm -hmm. um, and he says very very clearly that that uh, Whitey Bulger gave the the works the ira and they're most likely in ireland so you have a guy whose like job is to investigate this stuff yeah. said that these paintings are in ireland but that's just this is one story everybody yeah. is so confident that they know the, who it is yeah everyone FBI, knows this guy that guy everyone so the thing is even today even the most recent thing by the fbi says they're pretty sure who it is um but then you have other every little every suspect is like it's most likely him it's the craziest thing it's everybody's got a con card everyone's like Oh yeah, this just like you said. If you did, if that guy wasn't in jail who you just mentioned, mm -hmm. um, it'd be like there's no question. It's him. It's got to be him. Yeah, the yeah, way right. he puts duct tape on people. It's that you know. Mm -hmm. like, but no, this is a crazy story. Yeah. So if it's not, which it could be, like I say, we don't know who it is. But if it's not the Irish mob, then what's the other alternative? It's the Italian mob, where that particular year, twenty of them all went to prison on uh, you know RICO charges and extortion charges and all those things like that, and the they figured game. they figured they could have put in you know a similar thing to what connor did which is that maybe i can use one of these pieces of art and i can kind of parlay this into getting a lesser sentence because we know it's worked in the past um of course the fbi says you know the whole thing we don't negotiate terrorists it, you know just because you steal art doesn't mean we give you a lesser sentence but when it happens it happens so you figure they're just saying that so that they don't encourage it but they want the piece of art back more than they want you in prison because it's worth more than your life it's the strange thing about it Money really is the whole example and the equifier of this. If you, what you did is wrong and you're convicted of it, why you giving it back makes it okay is because they want it back more than they want you in prison. The $100 million piece of art that you, st that you took mm -hmm. is worth more to us than you rotting in prison because we actually don't care about you at all. We want the art back and we're only punishing you for stealing it. So you give it back, we'll let you out early. And that's when the Italian mafia is put in the, in the sights of this. And I think that the this particular gang of folks that they had to figure out who they were over the years and years following the heist is my lead that I believe closest to what I, actually happened. So but, I but it's hard things. to say. So I, I think just because I can only I just trust the FBI um, that, First that 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 it's it's most likely very clearly one uh, uh, one Italian mob, and it's the Merlino gang, uh -huh. Carmelo, Carmelo Merlino. Mm -hmm. But there's also another guy who's part of the uh, Patriarca crime family, 
who lines up so fucking good as well. And well, I mean, he, he's the famous Providence Don, uh, Raymond Patriarca, who really ran shit in Providence for years and years before they took mm -hmm. him down. He used His to sit out on the coin op right where I used to live on that, that street. Remember we were getting uh, breakfast. Yeah, yeah. He used to oh, hang out right on that road right there, Raymond Patriarca, yeah. No kidding. Something. So a couple of those old guys who saw smoke cigars uh, probably uh, bumped elbows with him and his, his associates back in the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's something, man. It's it's really crazy. So um, the Merlino gang, uh, Carmelo Merlino, um, again, I believe is, is he's related to the um, bailout in prison, like using this to reduce sentences. There's someone they someone from the Merlino gang was in prison. Get my story. Uh, yeah, they, they, he wasn't in prison yet, though. But yeah, that's exactly oh, okay. right. Yeah. But I just wanted to bring up this quick thing first that before they go in yeah. prison, because why they think they were associated with is because they weren't they hadn't gone in, in prison at the time. But what led me there first is this guy, Lou Royce, who works for the Italian mob and in a minor capacity, was arrested on conspiracy to rob this museum, the Garden Museum. A year before it ever happened, he was already arrested. His idea was to go in there and throw a smoke bomb and in the yeah. ensuing panic and, and you know all kinds of pandemonium he was going to steal some paintings and take it with him they caught him before he's going to do it but he worked for this particular mafia chapter that we're now talking about these guys doing it now so they already thought that this has been a plan for years in the books they knew something about the museum and this guy goes to prison for this particular conspiracy before um the merlito gang allegedly might uh, be trying the same thing off a little bit more creatively at this point. Yep, exactly. So like you said, there were plans from the, to, to actually do this in the past that they were busted on, mm -hmm. which is nuts. It's just insane. And the fact that they still have just the crappiest security ever just blows my mind. Like, yeah, that's what, that's the other thing. They, they, we have like a conviction on yeah. someone planning to do it and they didn't change security at all like, oh, no one cares about this shit it's like no they definitely do. so we caught him didn't we yeah but what about next week when they try to do it again we you know, know it out, there's plenty of gangs around here someone gets the value of this stuff they can either sell weed for all of eternity to make up for one painting or they can just go in there and just slip one out of the painting all right crazy shit crazy yeah. shit it's the craziest thing so um so we'll start with again i don't even know if this is where we should start but because yeah, you get the Providence, the Providence crowd, and the the Boston crowd, and and Carmelo Merlino. Um, the FBI in 2013 announced that they they really think <clears throat> that the primary suspects, George Reisfelder and Leonardo De Muzio, um, who are just who are just associates, just like in The Sopranos, all the guys who go out and actually kill the people. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean Tony does too, but you know the guys who are in the woods like chase them down. I forget their names. It's like two of those guys. Yeah, um, the workers. The, yeah, the workers. They resemble the police sketches, um, and they all died within one year of the heist by, uh, you know, suicide or. Here's the yeah. Here's the interesting <laughs> thing you bring up. The whole Merlino yeah. gang. By the time they can get any dirt on them, they're all dead. Yeah. It's, Besides it's, one of them, but we'll bring him up later. But yeah, they're all they've all died. Um, whether they've been murdered by gunfire or you know cocaine overdose as far as yes. Reisman, but Hard again facts. who knows if that was yeah. you know here or there just to bring up uh not Reisman, sorry rice reese felder uh as part of the part of the gang here this guy in particular was did 11 years in prison for a murder charge that was overturned 
So they said that they actually wrongfully convicted him. So now he's on the outside just around the time that this, this heist happens within a year or so. And not only is he now on the outside and Massachusetts did not compensate him for his false conviction. He just had to do 11 years for a crime. He either did not commit or did commit and then got away with it because they let him out. Um, he uh, was out on, on the loose and he starts associating with these kind of characters and as part of the story that I found interesting, the lady who said, I hate water is actually his sister-in-law. And in the interview, she talks about going to his house. She loved the guy going to his house to hang, help him hang up a painting. And the painting that she described is right there for the shade uh, Tortoni, which is the small painting that was stolen from the blue room. The only one not on the level. And as she was helping him hang it up, she said, well, what's, what's that frou-frou frame? I mean, this is no, no place for a man's house to have a golden frame on it. And he goes, no, no, I had to get it all measured up. And she said, what did you pose for the painting? She's giving him all kinds of shit like an old Boston lady should. And it wasn't until uh, later on when the case was brought back into the public, they changed the reward from $1 million to $5 million. She goes, actually, um, that is exactly the painting I was looking for, the one of the, of the man across the table. And she claims that is almost certainly the, the painting, uh, one of the paintings rather, that was taken in the heist that she saw him have at his house before his cocaine overdose. And uh, it was never seen in that apartment by any law enforcement officers. When they came to the scene, it wasn't there. You know? So crazy. And he fits the description in my uh, likelihood of the guy who was wearing the fake mustache and the glasses because he was the taller one with a bowl cut. They didn't say he had a bowl cut in the uh, description, but in all the pictures of him, he's got a bowl cut as a 40 year old man. It's a very funny. Look, Hopefully we'll throw him up here. It's a very funny look. <laughs> so he might have been involved in the heist or she might just be full of shit. Who knows? That's crazy though. But yeah, so his life is tragic either way. And you know, if he committed a murder or committed this heist, but he, he died before they could get any more information out of him. And, and so did one of the other guys who said it was murdered. Another person who said he, he was going to testify against another person in the gang was murdered as well. I mean, this this tight knit group of guys who are willing to apparently silence, you know, anyone involved in this art heist, or if they weren't, they definitely were good at keeping their mouth shut about it because they're all they're all dead now. Save one man who is who is not funny, dead. And the thing is that we none of us know this, but if it's just in someone's kitchen who's just a seemingly nobody um, yeah i mean this lady was looking at this no priceless painting and she was she was knocking jokes about it like she had no idea what it even was why would you you know yeah if you're not an and, art expert exactly and the and the craziest thing is that nobody like doesn't seem there's any transactions going on like nobody made any money off this they're just sitting on millions of dollars of paintings that they can't do anything with so they have it above their kitchen table mm -hmm. you know yeah. Until the cops didn't see it there, and who knows where it went from there. But right. you know, likely someone you know came in and killed him, and then took the painting. Like, it's just. It's and just then that's wild. then it keeps moving. The, the the trail keeps getting deeper. So to to round out that gang, though, I want to ramp the other member, which is the guy who's still alive today, which is David Turner. He's another member of that the Merlino gang at that time, and people think he might have been another person who was involved in the crime. If he wasn't the guy who go who went in to actually rob the place, he was at least involved because he was involved with that, with that whole crime family, got up to no good multiple times, you know, suspicious work history, things like that. At the time, he his alibi was he was in Florida. They couldn't 
guaranteed that besides to hear that his girlfriend said he was there and they had him uh, a receipt of him turning in a rental car in Florida two days later. But here's the thing. There was a different license number on the rental car leading some investigators to think that he might've given the rental car to someone else and had them drop it off in Florida. And there's your alibi right there. You weren't around. My girlfriend said it wasn't there. So I wasn't there, but they put the screws to this guy later that year when they tried to pull off the second biggest heist in Boston, they tried to, they hadn't seen the town yet. Hadn't been out yet. They wanted to rob the Loomis truck depot, which is where all that money comes in for all those cash carrying trucks and him and three other guys. And so we have Merlino, some other Italian kid, and then a third guy. They're all planning on robbing this place. But the third guy is an FBI informant. And he goes in and plans the whole thing out with them. And on the night of the robbery, they arrest all the guys involved. They let the guy, the informant off, obviously. And they start putting the screws to Merlino and Turner, not just because they're about to do this huge robbery. They want to get them for the paintings. They think they're involved. So they're all, we can book them on this huge Loomis robbery. And then we can say, tell us where the paintings are. And will help you out, even though they said, oh, no, you can't negotiate with it. But they, they wanted to get him for this. So they booked him on that. And suspiciously, within that time period, David Turner's 40-year sentence he gets for this conspiracy to perform armed robbery, which is a large sentence for conspiracy, not actually performing it. He gets his sentence knocked off seven years during this time, from 2032 to 2025, and is completely off the record. It's no change in laws. There's no legislation change. It's just that it just drops down and no one's any the wiser besides some reporters that are kind of grinding their teeth saying, what the fuck? Why, why, is, why is this happening? They think that he's involved in this. Is he given any information or has he, hasn't he? Uh, and they don't know anything more about it than that besides that Turner says he's innocent of the whole thing. He's not involved in any of it uh, as far as the, heist, the yard heist goes. That's a strange man. It's wild. So you know a lot about this half of things. Right. So you mentioned everybody so far, um, but you didn't talk about Bobby Donati too much, right? Actually, I haven't brought him up at all. Please yeah. bring him up so right now. And on my list, he's the only person that. Another person. Really unfortunately, we can't him. ask him about it right now because he got plugged as well. Yeah. Within the same year. Exactly. He died in 91 at the age of 40 something he was born in 1940 within, so. within the same 12 months i should say not the same yeah anymore. yeah exactly um but he's not who the fbi lines up as um their most most valuable um you know asset here because he's not associated with the merlino gang they really think it's the merlino gang he's part of like i said the problem the merlino gang was a lower part of the mafia this guy donati as well as his friend uh bobby garanti were you know high up in the mafia they, they actually made moves they made decisions and they had a bunch of dough this merlino gang is one of the guys one of the gangs rather that was kind of gunning for to be more important in pulling off things like that might have been part of it but uh donati and bobby garanti were much more important people than merlino merlino was a guy who was getting long in the tooth getting old in age and realizing he was never going to be a big mafia don like these guys were but his gang could do what they could, I guess. And his gang could do it for him, just like a lot of, you know, in The Sopranos, he makes decisions, you know, the father does decisions from the old white guy. Precisely. The guy does things from jail. He still runs the mob from jail. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, so that's how, that's how that gang, you know, we think did it. It wasn't him himself who did it. 
Um, it was this guys who would have done the actual thief, not not the main boss. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not different. That's not too different from Bobby Donati. Um, he's uh, Donati and 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 the, the the this side of things says that Donati and uh, criminally David Hutton were the masterminds for your pal Connor. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's what I know about Bobby Donati is that he's operating on behalf of same thing, somebody more powerful than him. Because Miles Connor was friends with both Bobby uh, uh, Garanti and Bobby Donati um, yeah, and had associated with them in the past. past. Right. Yeah, in the past on art heists. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of names that keep coming together for these particular types of crimes. It's hard to believe it's a coincidence. Yeah. And, and they were going to use, uh, they had a plan together and they were going to use this to get Connor out of jail. So Donati came to came to Connor in jail and said, "This is how we're going to get you out." Right. So as far as that goes, we got the rest of the, the gang in prison or dead this time before um, Donati is murdered as well. Um, for probably not for this heist, just because he was part of a huge mafia uh, charge, and he could have been. The rest of the guys are pretty much involved in the heist, as far as we know, or, or we might assume. But Bobby Garanti is still alive and on the outside. And he worked very closely with uh, the gang we've been speaking about. And in particular, he was a big fan of Mr. David Turner, who he quote in the past that he's like a son to him. And as he was getting on years in the early 2000s, there is a record of Garanti trying to float a deal with the FBI saying, I might have some pieces of art that you might be interested in if you can work a deal out with me. And they were suspicioning that he was trying to get Turner out of jail early. He was doing a 40-year sentence. He was a guy in his early 20s. And Garanti, we'll pull up a picture of him. He was a not too healthy guy. I'm sure he enjoyed his share of pasta and wine. And, and he was he was not in good health. And he figured, well, if I can if he did have the heart, have the arts, he didn't have the heart. <laughs> the heart was failing. But if he had the art, he might be able to use that to kind of parlay a deal for Turner here. Um and that never came to fruition because he did die of natural causes in 2004 before that ever came together. But the FBI did their due diligence. They drove to his house in Maine to interview his wife about it. And when they first showed up, they said, oh, we just want to talk to you. This and the other thing. And she was all calm and collected and hanging out with the police for a while until they brought up the idea of these missing paintings. And she was visibly shaken. And she told the police that I, I know about the paintings. I-, I, was- I was always trying to tell them to get rid of the paintings. So they're obviously chomping at the bit thinking this lady knows this is the guy. He, he ultimately came out with the, the paintings all together, but uh, she didn't have any information on their, their whereabouts or anything like that. Just a couple of ideas left and right. So that didn't work out for them, even though they were more than happy to grill her about that whole thing. So Interesting. I only have one guy left and it's the guy who was associated closely with that Garanti guy, which the FBI actually actually raided his house. Donati was also close friends to Garanti. Yeah, they yeah, they were very close friends. Donati and Garanti, both and, Bobbies. And part of why it could have been Donati is that so one Donati and his the other guy he was with, um, or or they said who who conspired this plan to get, you know, their dude out of jail, um, mm-hmm. don't fit the description at all, which is not which is not uncommon. It's that they hired two other dudes to actually do the dirty work. Right. They don't actually have to be the ones who physically did it to be involved in the crime. Yep. Exactly. So the, this is the craziest thing. So like there's um, Donati brought um, or Donati's accomplice brought a investigator from whether was it the 
uh, just investigate a reporter from the Globe or from um, uh, one of those. Yeah, it was actually, oh, sorry, it was the Boston Herald. The Herald, I think, broke a lot of these. Yeah. Um, their investigators were on top of this shit, as far as I understand. Yep. Exactly. So, um, so uh, yeah, so Youngworth, one of their guys named Youngworth picked up this guy named Mashberg, who was an investigative reporter for the Boston Herald, and drove mm-hmm. him to a warehouse in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Um, to prove and Youngworth, that- for the record, ha- was storing Miles Connor's artwork in a trailer. All this priceless art that Miles had stolen or procured, Youngworth was storing for them, and he was selling it behind his back when he was in in prison. Oh, shit. So he was figuring when when Connor gets out, he's gonna kill you because he stole all his art behind his back. But Youngworth is now being in talking to a reporter, knowing that his foot his feet are to the fire. He's gonna try to maybe use this information about the art heist to get his way out of it here because he was Youngworth was brought up on charges when he talked to the Boston Herald reporter. He wasn't just talking to reporters to show off, hey, check it out. Let's go take me down to New York and check out my art. He was thinking this reporter might help him tell the police he mm. sees him. Because you can't bring a cop there. They can mm-hmm. seize the art. But if you bring a reporter there, they can't take it from you. And they might be able to tell the police that, oh, don't worry, he's got it. And if you work with him, we'll be all set. I mean, yeah, you already yeah, know yeah. he's been selling this art for Connor. So maybe, you know, so then you know, you have the Herald reporter being driven down to uh, Red Hook on a midnight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a creepy ride. I don't think I'd take that ride. Yeah, Reporters no, this, are brave, this man. Is Brooklyn, this is Brooklyn back then. It was not a good place. And um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. And then they said that they took out the uh, one of the cylinder tubes because there were multiple of them. Like So it's mm-hmm. not like they just had one painting. It looks like they had all, all 13. Um, and he, see, he pulls out one of the one of the biggest, baddest boys in there, which is the Storm of Galilee, the Rembrandt, the only I one he ever this. painted a it's seascape. It's so great. I mean, it's, it's it's a one. Every single painting everyone should Google because they're just absolutely incredible. Oh, I no, I'll, I'll put them up. I'll put them up. Okay, on, yeah, put them up. Um, for sure. They're just like the coolest paintings ever, and I kind of want to just make a room in my house that is just these paintings. And that would be so cool to just have oh, right? all the like, stolen paintings. Those who know, know. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. And those go, who hey, don't. those are really cool art. You must be like art. You go, yeah, I love art, and you just yeah, you can't see them anywhere. And then you then people start to realize what they are. And then they go, that's funny. Yeah. You only have the stolen art from the Garden Museum. I I like I want to do that. That um, would be very cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, so like. Uh, the art seems like it was there. Like I said, um, the Boston Herald, uh, reporter saw it. They saw the cut lines, uh, and everything else. Mm-hmm. They, they, they pulled out just that one painting of this. Right. But the Herald the reporter is not an art expert. And this guy no, was no, not. on, no, but... on his last rope. And then he knew he had to show him some bullshit and it might've yeah. been the painting and it yep. might not have been, oh, but he would have shown him it either way. So yeah, so no one can prove. Well, I don't know if it that. definitely probably was. I think it, it no, very no, no. well could have been. It could have been. A but this guy was what was on in trouble from the police. He was selling art in the back. This guy didn't know mm-hmm. shit about it. He was holding on to someone yeah. for somebody. I understand that, but I feel like if he was showing the Boston Herald this piece, we have multiple guys murdered just for being involved in it. I don't think he would have made it very far. I mean, I, I my suspicions that this guy was trying to bullshit them into saying that he was involved with it because he knew this art world he knew these guys he knew how the game was played and i and i think that he showed this reporter who was none the wiser at 4 a.m in red hook this is the painting now take it back and tell the cops i mean the cops obviously wanted to know more about it but they they really couldn't verify anything beyond that um just because he would be giving up the painting at that point so it's, it's hard to say um my suspicion about this guy is that he obviously knew a, a shit ton about art 
doesn't mean that he had the painting. Right. So, yeah. So, again, it, that absolutely is 100% possible, um, just like it also could be a two. I mean, no one really knows. So could um, be it. it could, that could have been it right there because they obviously wanted to move it immediately afterwards in case the cops do show up to that warehouse. So when the yeah. cops do check it out, it's not there. But if it was true, they would move it anyways. If it wasn't true, you have to move it. So it, they couldn't Either just way, find yeah, it there. Which is exactly yeah. what happened. So the FBI raided it and said, we found nothing. It's like, yeah, and sure, then you find exactly nothing. how this works. Like, you're not going to go there and find the paintings. Exactly. Not, right. They're not hard to move. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, that's how it comes down. And then the one thing I didn't say yet is, um, and it's the same thing. This is a he said, she said. It's like. It all is, what a, right? What a weird thing to say. Like, you know, like. It's all weird. We're talking mobsters here. You can't possibly just make sense of what they do. Mm -hmm. Donati and Garanti um, were seen at a at a club in Revere before, shortly before the robbery, with mm -hmm. a bag of police uniforms. What the fuck does that mean? But I mean, obviously they could have it, had police uniforms for other crimes, but like that's pretty important. It's pretty that's it's pretty important. important. Oh, it's important, but it's also but, vague. But it's like, vague. It's just, it's just like saying I went to a warehouse in Brooklyn and saw all the paintings. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's interesting and it's important, but they could have had those uniforms for anything. It doesn't mean it was particularly being used in yeah. that crime right then. Yeah. Well, exactly. All these people are close with the BPD, especially Whitey Bulger. You know, like. Um, yeah. It's hard to get police uniforms if you're a regular person, but not if you're tied to the mob and the police and all that. You can get them pretty easy. You can get them no problem. You know, so. Yep. Um, that's the thing. That's why this is just such a hard case to solve is that there's so yeah. many genuinely real leads here mm -hmm. that and 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 leads and motive it's not like one guy just woke up and said uh like the las vegas shooter you know like no one like why did he do that no one really even knows still right we still he don't know and there's no but even motive. he planned it for weeks in advance yeah. it wasn't just spur of the moment thing right 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 well exactly but he, but even that he no one knows his motive they still don't He's not associated with like, you know, crazy groups and stuff. He's just a psycho, they think. Um, yeah. But like this is like, there's very clear motive for every fucking lead. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, there's motive for every lead. Tool, get some out of jail. They used it for this. Like it's the, the motives are here. It's like, it's not like this just random thing, which is just the fantasy of it is just so damn cool. And you go, this is something to happen. But it's like, oh, this is so much deeper than that. And you're just lucky you're not there that day. That's all. I, I know it. Uh, that that's the last one that I wanted to bring up, which is um, can you can you tell me the name of that gang again? We've been talking about this whole goddamn time. I can't remember his fucking name. Uh, oh, the um, Mulatto. What's his name? Mulatto. There's the, the like that. Patriarca, and then there's the no 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 um, the gang. I know, not I know the, the Merlino. Merlino, thank you. The Merlino gang. So is it Merlino a tuna? No. I don't know. Can a tuna know. Merlino tuna? Making that nice. <laughs> any last name to can tuna go, yeah. It's Straziano tuna. Like it just sounds like, oh yeah, I can like Albuquerque. Bumblebee tuna. Bumblebee better. Uh, so yeah, so year, so years later, um he uh you know, people associated with him, he's out in Connecticut and people are, it's another mob ideas out in Connecticut. People are spread out. This is now in the mid 2000s we're, we're well past the time of the mafia running the cities like they used to and a lot of them are in prison sometimes running it still from prison but not nearly as powerful as they used to be and there's this old shyster retired mobster guy named bobby gentile or gentile i assume he's not jewish but he he's, has this home down in connecticut 
and he's an old mobster guy, but he never had that much power. He's just mostly like a, a, a bookie, a mover. He's like a, an, a liar for life. He'll lie to his own friends and like that. He's got this house down in Connecticut and he buys a, an auto mechanic shop, as you do when you're a mobster. You got to have the auto shop so your guys come in and smoke cigars and is a front. So he buys one there and he replaces one of the grease pits with a kitchen, full stove, sink, fridge, the whole thing. He starts having these, you know, Sunday dinners and smoking and playing poker with all these old retired mob guys. So guys who basically the rarefied air of getting out of it. And mostly you either die or go to prison when you're in the mob. But some guys just make their way out and they're 86 years old. They're rich and they've probably been responsible for the deaths of countless innocent lives. And now they're hanging out, eating spaghetti and meatballs, talking over the old war stories. The war being the war on the American public and murdering innocent people. Um, I know it's obviously fun to watch mob movies and you think how cool it'll be to smoke a cigar and rob a cigarette truck and all this interesting, sexy shit. But I really think these guys are really piece of shit scumbags. And the idea of all these old dudes sitting around a table eating spaghetti meatballs and telling the tales of how they cut a guy's head off because he owed the money is really fucking sadistic and fucked up. And these guys should not be glorified. It's like the movie Killing Them Softly. It's so much like that. Have you seen that? Yes. When they walk down yes, to go whatever it is, and then they're all playing cards, and then they're mm-hmm. like, they're like, then all of them are, or this is the game they play, and they're, they're these two That's really, them. really naive robbers who walk down there with shotguns and and, and the thing over their head. Yeah. And they, these guys are like, you walked in the wrong fucking. Yeah, we have like, all seen all this shit before. Yeah, like, you can we tell are... you're scared as shit, and we're gonna kill you. Yeah. So. That's exactly what I thought when you said that. These old guys. Who so the fired. FBI. Yeah. Yes. So the FBI gets an informant into the. He, he starts having dinner with this group. And basically he gets to hear every weekend all the mobsters telling tales of all the shit they ever did. And they never got caught for. They're all old, fat Italian dudes for the most part telling tales. And obviously they talk about it like pros. No matter how old they get. They go, remember that thing in Hartford when the guy da, 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 da. So the FBI is like, try to get this guy uh, Gentile or Gentile talk about this art because we think he he was friends with Garanti. he knew donati he knew these guys and so he must be involved in some way and he finally after weeks of asking these guys what do you think about the art house oh i can't talk about that I can't talk about the art house seems to be the one thing they can never talk about even though they trust this guy and the fbi gets tired of waiting and they ask him to buy drugs off the guy the guy gives a, a bottle of dilaudid and says oh i'll get 300 bucks I'll give you this. And then they get him on a drug charge because he offers to sell the guy the thing and they have it on tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you might, yeah, but first of all, the lot of is a very strong, uh, it's like morphine. It's, it's, it's crazy strong. It's really the strongest Dilaudid. drug they can give you in the hospital, right? To kill the pain, just really put you out. That's an I'm opiate. Allergic, I'm allergic to Dilaudid. It's on my lips. Oh shit. You better hope you don't get any gunshot yeah. wounds. That's when I tell, when that. I tell them like what, the, you know, my allergies, I'm like, I'm like the lot on there. I've had Dilaudid now. Did they, did they give it to you when you broke your arm? They must have, right? That's like when they were down the extreme pain Why scenario. Or no? no, I got morphine for that. Um, yeah, well, morphine's a good cousin of it if you're not allergic to that. you know. You know yeah, that. I had morphine um, when I broke my arm, and it was phenomenal. But I had Dilaudid. Uh, Dilaudid's yeah. supposed to be even stronger than morphine, I, I though, in the hospital else setting. I broke something I got Dilaudid. I, I don't remember what happened, but I got Dilaudid. Yeah. It, that, it, so that's, imagine having being an old guy having a prescription for Dilaudid. I mean, that's fucking who. That's that's really heavy prescription to get at your house. You can just pop those by yourself. But so, anyways, that, that's how they they book the guy. And then obviously they don't care about the drug charge. I'm going to drug charge. They're trying to put the screws to him. And the first thing they want to ask him is, "Where's this fucking art? 
You're, you're the last guy who's alive when we can actually ask about this Come shit. On, and he, and us, he's yeah. in his late 80s. He's going to die soon anyways. They figure they pop him on this. If you want to tell it now. And the FBI raids his house and they take his house apart. They have ground penetrating radar in the yard. They start digging up the yard. That's why they said it was buried. So in yeah, they, they go into his garage. They, they find a trap door in his garage. They open it up. It's got a box in it. And they're like, this has got to be the, the paintings. It's got weed and a gun in there. They're like, motherfucker. Damn it. And no his way. lawyer's there being like, this is absurd. You know, you know any of this shit. And they do end up finding something, though. It's not the paintings, unfortunately, or we wouldn't be talking about this now. But they find a newspaper article about the heist in Gardner Museum, along with a yellow piece of legal pad that has the name of every piece of art and their price on it in his house. So this is like a... At this point, like 20-something-year-old piece of archival data, this old, not important, lying, shyster kind of mobster guy has in his home, which to me at the very least means he knows more about it than he's putting forth because why would you have a list of every painting? I mean, a lot of these guys wouldn't even know the names of the paintings. And the guy has a price on all of them, and he gets saved a newspaper article because your ego has to have that. So they find that. They get him up on more gun charges because they find guns in his house. And they try to put the screws to him and they can't get anything out of him. And even as he was dying, he, he said, I don't know anything about any painting. I don't know what you're talking about, Damn but I don't believe him. He knew something. I'm not saying that he, he had them or that he was directly involved, but he clearly, he clearly knew something about it and he did not give it up. But he was close friends with Donati and Durante. He knew the guys who had robbed the joint. He knew something about paintings. He had a goddamn list of them. And obviously, he was not willing to talk about it when he didn't know he was mic'd up. But he knew about the crime. He just said, I'm not talking about the art thing. So he's uh, another guy who we're not going to get any word out of because he's another guy who has passed away in the time in between. So the good news is, um, I don't know, this would be a really fun surprise if, if this if the secret for this came out soon. I mean, Ooh, it, just, it doesn't sound do like it's that. something that these are Saudi princes that are sitting on them. They sound like they're scared ex-mobsters who are sitting on these paintings every morning when they wake up and have their coffee. When, and at this point, the best news about that is why I'm saying this, is that it's not the mobsters because they're all dead. It's their kids or the grandkids who have them who go, mm-hmm. I got a secret. And, uh, and they might just go to the cops and say, look, <laughs> got some big fucking news. I didn't do it. Um, I inherited this shit, and uh, well, you could cash in a ten million dollar reward today. I need the reward, and uh, they're all yours because I don't want any part to do with this. It's blood money mm-hmm. to me. So, you know, obviously, if you're up. the kids, you're gonna have to talk to the cops for probably a week straight. But you might yeah. get away with having ten million dollars and no criminal yeah. charges at you know, all. Hey, you guys said this is the reward. I'm just gonna collect it. Um, I didn't know what it was. Sorry. I do now, no, and I'm gonna get doing the right thing here. You know. <laughs> Doing the right yeah. thing, you know, go back to the museum. Can you imagine how fucking great that would be? You know, the whole oh, I, now at this point, I want anyone. I don't want to know. I even want to know if they're if they're destroyed. I would just like to know what happened yeah. and the capacity. Yeah. Obviously, I wish that they would be returned in good condition. But I feel like if now if they're returned at all, it would still be in poor condition. There's no way that they're being taken care of properly um, to any capacity. Uh, you'd be hoping that they're even recognizable at this point. I, I mean. If yeah, they're still then, around don't care. I want to see them. That's so fun with me. Um, but so, yeah, it's likely based off of one of the other things I read that they're buried. They're buried Could be around somewhere. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's unlikely they're hanging on someone's wall unless it is in another country, which people don't know about it. And then you can just hang it up with impunity. But no, if, they're, if they're in a Boston area, you better not hang that shit up. If someone notices, you're getting put on the hook for everything. Exactly. And But the thing is, you just go have people over and you go, yeah, I'm really rich, but uh, I bought these replicas. It's pretty cool, right? I'm like, wow. Yeah. Oh my God, this, this is like a yeah. replica. And you go, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Really good, though. I paid like the real 1500 bucks per painting for the replica. Like no, it's the fucking <laughs> and it's like it's like your future Rita has all the stolen ones. Yeah, exactly. they're all replicas. You believe yeah, that? It's just like a weird thing in this room. And the little wow, replicas. Is, and, and it looks why, like the real thing. There, it's cracks in the paint. Yeah. yeah. Then one guy comes in there and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have to seize all these replicas." Yeah, this is a weird joke. I don't think it's this is too like too good to be right under your nose, too ballsy to believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's the governor <laughs> got replicated. <laughs> yeah, it's the governor. It's Cuomo in the New York his office. Like, his office that he like is live on every day has them back there. Yeah, it's in the Zoomy. Like, oh, there's no way you put it right there. Obviously, it's it's fake. It's no way you do that. The balls. Well, that's on the, the honestly, this is the perfect, absolute best way to hide something in plain sight. Urinals, the Museum of Science. Everyone's. A They'll never think that's the one. No, 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 no. no. Oh, what a nice piece of art. Oh, we yeah. got replicas of these uh, stolen paintings because it's funny, you know, in the bathrooms yeah. at uh, the Museum of Science in Boston. Everyone goes, oh, that's funny. Yes. And I do like how they haven't put, they could easily put up replicas of the stolen paintings just to add to the aesthetic of the museum. Man, but not cool? only does, is it the right thing to do to leave them empty, which makes it way cooler, it's also not what. Uh, uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner wanted. She said, "Don't change it at all. And if changing it means leave the frame there and not the painting, then mm-hmm. so be it." She didn't want a bunch of fake bullshit in this world. I understand her. No, I have this like, I have uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate excellence as far as design and and sure. quality goes. It's mm-hmm. like fake wood floors versus real wood floors. What are you going to choose? And you're going to know whether or not fake you know, doors. You know, you know, and um, yep. you know, there's just a, there's just such a difference. Example, your you know. apartment is incredibly well built it's a nice fucking place you have nice ass floors you have nice shit and you could build a new 2021 model of that and it just wouldn't be as nice it just wouldn't mm-hmm. yeah, the vinyl fake wood and you shit got, yeah. you've got you've got crown molding you've got good molding you've got those mm-hmm. things those are things that people want because it's like it's a hundred year old wood which is different than modern day wood because they it's not mm-hmm. kind of farm yeah um, on top so like you know so for her to have some replica fucking painted no no she wouldn't want that no fuck that no she had impeccable taste she wouldn't want it ruined by you know and that's kind of conceding too as soon as you put up the 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 fake one you go oh we're already saying there's nothing gonna be here ever again because you know it's lost forever but they still hold out hope and uh i didn't mention earlier but the museum director who was working there during the time of the heist hadn't even been working there only a few months when this happened aren't you getting hired on nice. and then your first year working it's like the biggest art heist in history you're like fuck that sucks <laughs> it's not easy do you want to take one more commercial break we'll get the final thoughts and wrap this bitch up sure. we're going a little long in the tooth here i love talking about this shit sounds good to me let's do it Good fucking afternoon, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by B. Hoppy. Dylan Joe from the Dylan Joe Based Podcast are back to give you our final thoughts on the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Final thoughts. Ice. 
Um, I'm going to start off with my final thoughts. Um, I think that there's three possible conclusions here. And right. I'm not, and I'm at a position which I usually haven't taken on this that I doggy style. Really, um, that's a good one. And it's not where I'm going right now with this though. That's I'm sorry. My head's top, in the gutter. Definitely a top two easy. Um, best, uh, easy best way to go out. Uh, but, um, one, no one mentioned Elizabeth Stewart Gardner, how she could be a suspect. No one said that yet. Right. She could be a suspect. The she crime came picky. from inside the house. Exactly. She was very picky. She died 19, what, 14, 1924, something like that? Mm -hmm. Well so before the heist. Have, she could have just said to people, hey, uh, in 1990, you guys got to do something for me because mm -hmm. uh, this is the best museum in the world, according to her, and she needs people to uh, come here. So what better is to have blank frames because they're fucking creepy and cool. And I want to go to just see these. I'm not, I, I want to see the rest of it. But you Me too, the, but I really want to see the blank frames. You walk the most. into the Dutch room and you go, This is the room. Yeah, I want to find that door too. I want to find that secret door and be, knock on door. it. Yep. They must exactly. have sealed it up by now, but I want to knock on that bitch. See I want to know. I have yet to come across a, a genuine secret door in a place like this, like behind a bookcase. That would be one. That, the bookcase yeah. swirls like in James Bond. I want to see that. Yeah, so also, we didn't say the art was insured against everything fire, water, smoke. So, besides. Theft. So it wasn't insured for theft. It was insured from everything except for theft. No shit. And okay. theft is what happened to them. So they had no insurance for that shit. So, mm. you know, you can't even wow. get the payout. What a pain in the ass. Yeah, exactly. So, but she's, she, she's obviously not about the money. She was, she came from no. her father was yeah. rather made linens. He's a, a famous linen uh, dude, you know, who like imported and sold. Well, them. she wasn't about the money because she spent all her money to build a big museum and then said never change it. But obviously, she had. You might imagine how much money it takes to not only build this fucking thing in the 1800s, but also fill it with priceless paintings. She had some fucking money before, you know, she, she died. Was, she inherited all of her money. It's very clear based off of the Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> so she. Um, but she could have done something weird and said to some secret, secret, secret group, like, hey, like the Illuminati or the, uh, you know, Boston police and, <laughs> and, said, and, said, and said, hey, uh, you need to steal these paintings in 1990. Make it happen. Yeah, and, who knows? Uh, my legacy, because everyone else obviously respected her way past her death. Option number yeah. two. Um, number two. Okay. Yep. Option number two for potential thing is the wild card. No one knows. Option number three is... Mm -hmm. um i mean we, there also could be someone who we don't that's what i'm saying good, number two i mean it, is, it could it be is. someone you haven't even heard of yet and they're just sitting back being like this is perfect everyone else is has a solid impressive. motive yeah. and i'm just here just not even or i mean it has to be two people but still it's like we're in the clear in that case never talk about it ever and you will go to your grave never getting caught so yeah good for well, you exactly so it could be just two brothers who are just like you want to spice it up a little it's bit two tomorrow. brothers St. Paz yeah. go up with go fucking crazy right now. Could happen. Yeah, it could be the Boondock Saints pulled it off. <laughs> it could be them. They're Irish. Um, Two brothers on St. Patrick's Day up to no good. Going crazy. Option number four is it could be number three. Um, I think that was three. No, no, that was still two. I, I hijacked your two. I'm sorry about that. You had three options. This is the third one now. I decided I'm gonna have four though now. You motherfucker. All right, number three is uh, you already mentioned it, but. Maybe it was the director at the time. He said, guys, it's 1990. She. She. It's 1990 at the time. And um, I want to lose my job I just got. So I, I hope. Lose my, 
<laughs> I hope he lose half a billion dollars real quick. What the fuck? Kind of, that's dog. obviously not who it is. If she had any motive at all, I'd be like, okay, maybe it's her. She was devastated about it. And she still talks like, she said it was like a death in the family. Like, okay, well, it's just paintings. That's what they but, all say. So she, uh, she, she could have been like, all right, so here's the thing is, um, cash on hand is better than five in the bush. Did so, you say that? It's a cliche for a reason. <laughs> so, um, so basically, they have a lot of assets, but they don't have a lot of cash flow because they're reliant on Elizabeth Stewart Gardner's whatever uh, you know crazy trust. Right, and it was her job to you know money. revitalize the museum and get more people to come in. What gets more people to come in than the biggest art heist in American history? Yeah, we need to make we need to make more money and get more security systems, but no one's letting mm-hmm. this happen. All right, all so right, what a, what a okay, way, I'm on board now. What a better way to get more customers than to have some crazy fucking heist going mm-hmm. on? They might have just pissed and shit and burned the paintings for all we know. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she didn't even get fired. She's she was a director until uh, 2016, yeah. I think. So, I mean, if you're ever going to get fired, I know it wasn't on her, but if you're the director That's and it. then. That happens. They should can you just for, I mean, if you're the manager of a baseball team and the pitcher lets up a home run in the ninth inning, they fire your ass. It doesn't matter you threw yeah. it or not. They blame right. you. They did not blame her for any of this shit. She yep. was completely absolved of all blame immediately. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? You sold me on it. I was, I was like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? But you did. And just me. like, just like the Pico mill, another reason, just like the, you know, the famous, well, another conversation, but the, the famous, uh, uh, Nam K Cotton Factory, aka the Pico Mills in Salem, Massachusetts, they had multiple uh, problems with secu- with with safety and fires. So someone said, so all the workers were all getting fucked, and they were put in horrible situations, and they were like, this is unsafe. So mm-hmm. they decided to light it on fire and said, hey, you should have had security, you should have had fire alarms, but you did bust the place out. And so now they have fire alarms. Um, Funny so, how that works. Um, and then option number, what are we at? Ten now. Um, was the thing is that there's a lot of evidence around two different gangs. Again, Whitey Bulger probably knows what happened, but I can't say he's directly involved. And a lot of the reason he's not, he's not really involved. He's not, um, doesn't. I think he's a, he's a sexy name, but I don't think he had anything to do with it. He said, I want to fucking know because that's my territory. No one fucks with my territory. Right. I can see that. And on St. Patrick's Day, you know, on the most important of all days yeah. to a, an Irish gang in Boston. They don't want it fucking up. Yeah. So that's why it's probably not him is that he, he's like, I'm going to find them and kill them because you don't fucking, yeah. you don't sell weed on my corner. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's why I don't think it's yeah. him either, but yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my fucking territory. Don't he he so, didn't put any other crimes that he'll go down for. He doesn't need to add to his repertoire. Exactly. So, and that's, that's my, that's my hood. I don't want to fucking, he, he didn't want, you know, I get it. So, I mean, I have some, I have some personal stories from what people who lived under Whitey Bulger and it wasn't good. Uh, when I was Maybe we'll school. do an episode on him someday. Yeah. There's one guy uh, who got burned out of his apartment multiple times by him, um, by his gang. But um, when I was in Boston, I met all sorts of cool people who were renting. Um, mm-hmm. But it's probably a uh, mixture. I mean, we know, here's the thing is that I don't know if they did it, but we know, Donati and Garenti, uh, no, they know something about it. Yeah, Whether or not know. they were they directly involved, they know more than they ever said before yeah. they died. Yep, exactly. So Gentili, Garenti, and Donati know some shit, and that's all I know. That's all I gotta say. Besides my other, obviously, great conclusions. Yeah, all great conclusions. That's a great final thoughts, dude. Yeah. Fucking five stars on that one. Tell you right Thank now. You. Thank you very yeah. much. My, my final thoughts are pretty similar in that case. I, I don't have as many points as you do, but I think that my instincts lead me to believe that this is directly involved with Garanti and Donati. 
It is the Italian mob. I do think that they thought that, you know, you could par- parlay priceless works of art into FBI cutting sentences down because there was a history of it. And although it's never been confirmed publicly, it seems like they tried to do that on multiple occasions with multiple different people. So it's not just the one time they tried, it didn't work. There's multiple occasions they kept trying to do this shit. And finding the list of the, the prices and all this shit and this old haggard guy's thing, I think that he was involved in it. it to, I don't think that he was involved in the heights. I think he probably moved it for Granty and then he had the prices in order to move it around. I mean, who knows where the paintings are now? They could be buried. They could be destroyed. They could be, there's, you know, legends of it being in uh, Medellin, Colombia, and Tokyo, and Saudi Arabia. It seems like all a bunch of fucking hogwash extra bullshit. Mm -hmm. I think the one key that makes me believe it's even more part of this game is the fact that David Turner's sentence was dropped seven years initially without any public information. He was directly involved with all the members in the heist that were all dead. He's the only one who's still alive. And not only that, I say this for final thoughts, he was released from prison in 2019, which is even earlier than the seven-year sentence dropped. He would dropped from 2032 to 2025 to now he is a free man as of 2019. And he knows more than that. So people were interviewing him like, why did they let you out? What's going on here? Do you know about the heist? Are you trying to catch on the $10 million? And he had nothing to do with it, he says. But he was also indirectly or maybe was a direct part of the murder of multiple members of his gang. I mean, uh, one of them was ready to testify against him for crimes, and he was one of the guys who was killed. He wasn't even going to testify about the art heist. He didn't testify about all the murders this guy pulls off, and now he's walking free and clear, probably living outside of Boston somewhere now uh, with full knowledge of this entire heist, and I think that he knows a whole shit ton. And I think that he told the FBI exactly what they wanted to hear from him in order to let him out, but not enough to find the paintings. And maybe he told them, I'll tell you where the paintings went. I told you, I tell you why you can't get to them. Maybe he, he gave them all the information they needed for that. And that was part of the deal or whatever. But the, the main thing is the guy's supposed to do 40 years for conspiracy to rob a security truck company. He cuts it down. They ask him about the paintings. Now he's free. You got no paintings. I don't know what to fucking tell you. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a case that the FBI knows that the paintings are intangible. Maybe they're destroyed. Maybe they're, maybe they are somewhere else and he can prove it. Or maybe, maybe there's another reason why he's out there, but it seems to me that that gang of guys had too much information. And it seems to me that they also probably strong armed the security guards who were a couple of kids trying to make a living fucking around the museum. And they, they said, listen to us, you know, you know what about us is that we're going to come by this day and, if you know what's good for you and you love your friends and family, then you just, all you have to do is buzz us in. We'll tie shut you up. Fucking work and buzz us in and shut the fuck up. Yeah, we'll tie you okay. up. We'll make sure you have enough water. We won't get in to kill you as long as you play ball. And then when the police ask you questions, you can't answer them because we're not going to tell you any more than that. That way you're saved. We're going to save your life and we're saved. The other version is we just fucking kill you and your whole family. So buzz us in. And tell yeah. us about the secret door. Tell us about the motion sensors. Tell us about everything we need to fucking know. We already talked to Miles Connor about how to steal art. We know how to work with this shit before. We want to get on the inside. And even though they can't implicate the security guards as accomplices, I think that was by design. Because if they knew enough, they could tell the cops and probably get saved from it. But if they didn't know enough, but they knew enough not to talk, then the only thing they have for motivation is, I don't want to get killed. 
I don't know anything. Keep your mouth shut to the grave. I think they stole the art and I have no yeah. fucking idea where it is, but I think it was uh, trafficked through Maine and probably to New York and who, who else knows where it went from there on out, but it's just yeah. a fascinating story altogether. Well, I mean, the thing is, is just as a young kid, you just go, um, they're like, all right, cool. So you can not do this and we know who you are and where you live and what we're going to do, or you just, you're going to show up that day and you're going to do this or else we're going to kill you, but we're going to show up and not kill you. Exactly. You know that if you bail on this or don't show up to work that day, we're going to kill you. So you have right. To yeah. And, no and you're, you're like, I you love know. art, but I don't love it enough to get killed over. Plus, no, I got to go to a Grateful Dead concert tomorrow night and I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Show up. And then if you tell the police, we're going to kill you. And um, and the thing is, if you tell the police, it means you basically tell us because we are connected to the police. So exactly. You get no other so that, that's yeah. I think that's yeah. the most likely scenario, even though a lot of other people we mentioned or groups we mentioned. Just as likely, but I think this is the most likely just because of the number of connections, the number of people who are silenced, and the fact that David Turner is a free man now from mm -hmm. we are not sure why, and he seems to be directly implicated in the crime. Yet yep. no paintings. Yep. These guys were here, and these this was a different time for New England. It really was. Providence. Yeah, I mean, it might, it might be the, be the best art heist ever to be pulled off in the history because it'll be so hard to get away with now uh yeah not even just not museum just from all the new there's cameras everywhere everyone's got a it's cell phone forensics that. is out of control i mean it would be hard pressed for anyone to pull off anything even close to this tomorrow so yeah. i think they might go down in history as the greatest art heist of all time we shall see but I hope we can get those paintings back and at least uh i do want to see the paintings back i mean as yeah. cool as this is i, I think that'd be great it'd be really right. cool really, be nice. really cool so, so yeah, Let's wrap so, her up. Uh, yeah, wrap it up. Uh, two other things, interesting facts about paintings is this was a rumor because I know some, you know, in the North Shore, I know, I know some people and apparently the owner of one of the pizza places that I, um, you, I might have taken you to uh, in the North Shore, I'm not going to go into too many details, um, was one Please, of- Please, I don't want to get in danger from this. I'm scared. I don't want to get in danger from this. Was, um, uh, Oh my God, I'm drawing blanks. Campbell Soup. Hmm? Campbell Soup guy. Oh, I mentioned earlier, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol, yeah. Was one of Andy Warhol's lovers. So back in the 80s, you know, and, and before, uh, you know, it was, it was hard to come out as gay. And Andy Warhol seemed to hide it sort of or not. You know, he was obsessed with his girl, but he was definitely gay. One of his yeah. lovers lived on the North Shore. And this person apparently has a ton of his paintings. Who owns a pizza place it's gotta be worth a lot of money yeah and he has, has like a stack of andy warhol paintings like like genuinely a ton of them because he's one of his lovers very interesting oh. and then um second thing i mean the mob is very real that story is crazy i'll tell you about it later but um they just removed a mig 15 uh stu or sti something really like that um svu uh, <laughs> nsf st what's that show NSFW, SUV, S you know, like that show on Cartoon Network. It's so funny. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, the 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 writing on the bottom is a is an Italian mobster's name because some Italian mobster um, bought a fighter jet and stored it at Beverly Airport. <laughs> wow! <laughs> in like the nineties, and That's it just got crazy. removed because he's in jail. It's been there the whole time. He's been in jail for a while, so he that's where he had his MiG fifteen out of, and yeah. then he went. To How jail did they get it then, there? The mob the is airport, insane. 
they probably flew it there and then then they then they decided that like it has russian stars on it and stuff oh you don't see the fucking fighter jet landing in the north shore someone knew about it showing up and someone said i'm not going to say anything oh then they put it on display but it had his name all over it um it's like pilot donald something and um and it's just so fun like how much power how much power money these guys had like in the 90s he bought a mig 15 and then flew it to beverly airport and then went to jail for weapons charges and he's like, and like he had, they found like, I looked him up and they found like 300 guns in his house. And they're like, Crazy. all right, you're going to jail, Donald. And um, then the Beverly Airport was like, all right, well, we're going to put your MiG-15 on display because it's ours now. So we're not going to trash it. Yeah. It's so crazy. That's what I hope happens. He's painted. I hope they find it later on. They say, we're glad we still have it. Put it back on display. The public needs to see it. It's all been a fun game to tag. But yep. here we go. And that's what I asked you to show up. So yep. stolen artifacts. I mean, the ultimate is the, the Ark of the Covenant. That's still out there. The journey that that thing took compared to any of these things, if it's yeah. real, is it's gone to everybody, possibly even the Nazis and around and back from. Much like the paintings that they stole from Europe, of course. Yeah. Yeah. All this crazy shit. So stolen art is definitely interesting. There's it's very, very real and, and interesting. And mm-hmm. you don't have to use a whole lot of philosophy to understand why it happens. You go, stolen art? Makes sense. This is crazy. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So that's it, Joe. I think that's the Dylan Joe Basin podcast, episode 28 Eight. on yeah. uh, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum and the, specifically the heist associated with it. The biggest art heist ever. I don't know if they'll let me back into the Gardner Museum. Uh, my family, my entire family was kicked out in 1995, and uh, they might remember that. <laughs> so, you think you're on the list? I might be on the list. The blacklist? I asked, I asked, uh, I asked my uh, mother, I uh, gave her a quick call. And, um, because of the potted plant incident? They, oh, they threw everybody. No, no, she said it wasn't just that. That's what I remember. She said that. Oh, that I was just one of the long litany of things you were uh, yes. accused of. I was, um, I went to uh, everywhere I wasn't supposed to go in the museum. If they said not to go there, <laughs> that's where I went. Actually, I wouldn't, I know it's kind of shitty to, you know, stifle the artistic inspiration for children, but I'd say if you're under five years old, you, you can't go there. Because all it is is shit you can't touch, and all kids want to do is touch shit. They can't, they don't appreciate anything. So there should Definitely. be an age limit. Be like, if you're below you know five years old you can't go in there nothing for you there but to ruin this art so fuck there's off there's absolutely nothing for Chuck E. Cheese is down the road or go to your house and put a food <laughs> pool in your backyard like my neighbors have right now there's three fucking naked kids in, in, in the driveway in a pool right now that's nice to do that do that if you can't yeah. handle your kids bring them to an, a classic art museum to go fuck around in the plants not yeah. that it's your fault you're a kid what do you know world-renowned yeah. classic art museum to go bring a five-year-old to no, if a kid if a kid says they appreciate this place it's bullshit they don't